And good morning. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio, and that means the Chief Grand Poobah is in the house. Stan the Fan Charles is back here in studio with us. It's great to see you, and happy National Donut Day, my friend. Thank you, thank you. I you brought you guys, quite kind, uh, I quite brought kind you guys of a donut. Stan, uh, much appreciated. Uh, yeah, right. And I stuck to, for now, the glazed donut. Rather than I, the powder, I believe donut. it to be a superior donut. It, it, I have said that for a very long time. Didn't have quite enough glaze on it today, but I guess maybe that's why that's 240 calories to 350 for the powder. And donut. as we were talking about last week, if you want to lose weight, eat more glazed donuts. That we've been I, saying I that for a long time. I'm, I may write a book on the sure. glazed donut diet. <laughs> I like that idea actually. I think that's really good. Uh, More likely would be to put out a calendar do you, with each month being a fat guy. You know? <laughs> Wait a second. We already did that calendar. Uh, no, that was the sexy calendar. That was the sexy calendar. So do you remember um, Joe Ganiscoli, who played Vito on The Sopranos? Yes. So I remember uh, Joe used to come around... Um, Super Bowl week, uh-huh. and like you know, sit in with it. You know, he was just one of those guys that was always there, right? right? Like whatever somebody had him promoting something. Like here's a water jug that has a team logo on it. Go around the Super Bowl, and pr- I mean, it was just every year. And one year he was telling us that he was going to be on this weight loss, this celebrity weight loss show. And I swear to everything holy, I saw him take a donut, dip it in water, then. Remove the donut and drink the water because he wanted it to taste like the donut. What kind of donut was it? A glazed? I believe donut? it was a glazed donut. Yeah. Yes, gotta love a powdered it. donut. Glazed. Wouldn't taste Joe very much. No, no, yeah. Oh, Joe Ganiscoli, man, he's like, the best. I do love him. Oh, I love yeah. him, but that was disturbing. Like that was a disturbing. I, it was one of those. You didn't things, try it right after? No, no. It, and in fact, in hindsight, maybe I should have. Yeah. I, it almost derailed our entire conversation, where I just said, "What did you just do?" And he was like, "I I can't eat donuts because I'm doing this weight loss thing, but I want I want to get the taste of a donut." And so he just dipped, like dunked the donut, swirled it around in the water, and then removed the donut and drank the water. Big story, by the way. You know, you saw the. The story the other day that Gervonta Davis is buying yeah. is buying well, Kevin Plank's um, I, yes. apartment. Did you see this? Well, now he's gonna he's gonna be able to stay there for ninety days. Well, did apparently he okay, taken so, into custody amid ninety day house arrest. Right, I think that he, the word was he's got to go to jail. That he violated his house arrest and okay. is going to have to serve the rest of the time. I don't think there's a, too many people are going to mess with Gervonta Davis. I, now that Jay. I believe you would, it'd be quite the mistake for you to mess with him if he walked in here. I certainly yeah. would not. I'd say, can we get you? What can we get can you? Can we get you? What a can donut we get you? or some donut? One hundred percent. Some donut water. Would <laughs> I mean, you like a lovely donut water this morning? <laughs> Good to see you. Probably like it. Coming Mike up on Clark's bottled donut water. I mean, if it works for Joe Ganiscoli, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe he was on to something. Did he ever end up losing the weight? I guess I never... I mean, he, I he, seen there was Joe a big transformation in The Sopranos, obviously. Was that what he was losing No, the this for? would have been after the... Okay. This, I think, yeah, this would have been after The Sopranos. Okay. This would have been somewhere around like 09... You know, somewhere in that range. So I don't, I don't know what the deal was. Uh, coming up on the program this morning, the legendary John Miller is going to join us. The Hall, Hall of, of Fame broadcast, no question. I don't know. You know, I was thinking about this last night, Stan. How many broadcasters in history are as equally beloved in two separate cities as John Miller is? 
I, and I don't know, you know, like I, I would really have to think about that because you associate typically a broadcaster with the city. Maybe Don Orsillo is becoming that way. I think that in Don Boston. Or, well, he was always that way in Boston. Right. Now that he's ended up in San Diego, oh, he's in San Diego. I'm. I think because he's Don Orsillo is so yeah. good, man. He's unbelievable. I think that like he is on his way to having that type of legacy in both cities. Yeah. Um, of course, well, we John also has a national. One hundred percent from ESPN. Constituency right. that yeah. listened to him, watched him for years doing the Sunday night baseball games. Uh, John Miller will join us as the Orioles and Giants open up a series tonight. Is he tonight. okay to talk to me? Did he make? Any I don't. Moves? I did not hear any story no. about an issue that he had with you. I think we're we good. We used to be pretty good friends. John really, and I. Yeah. That's cool. Well, John's the best. I mean, there is there is no getting around. John Miller is an a legend in every sense of the word. We're looking forward to that this morning. And then uh, a, a more local legendary broadcasting figure, the great Dave Johnson from down in D.C. Um, but, you know, he's made stops in Annapolis, stops in like, – he's I think he lives. He's hated know. through two cities. Isn't wow, he? is that what it is? Washington. Man, I didn't realize that. Just kidding. Just Dave, uh, you know, in, in addition to doing the Wizards, in addition to doing WTOP, in addition to doing D.C. United, Dave is now the part owner of a new soccer team called the Annapolis Blues that's playing at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium and playing their first home game this weekend, and they're looking to set like a league attendance record. Um, they're trying to get somewhere in like the nine to 10,000 range. So we're going to talk to him about what this team is, where it came from, all of those they, things. They were mentioned last night on our Zoom that Gary and I did with Terry mm-hmm. Hazeltine that, uh, you know, that there's definitely a lot of interest in them. I, and I, I think it would go a long way it's going to be very difficult for their – I say this. I, we're all disappointed the World Cup didn't come to this area. It's extraordinarily disappointing. There are still more soccer opportunities to be had in the coming years. Perhaps a women's World Cup. There, there's going to be a doubleheader uh, in late July at FedEx Field. Yes, for the, and, prim, for the Premier League. And the state of Maryland has been promised several years of that game – and Terry Hazeltine was very specific to say that it's going to be in the state of Maryland, not necessarily at FedEx Field every time. So, so he, he could, could alternate. It, he it could, could see it coming to Baltimore. Very yeah. interesting. Very interesting. So um, we're going to talk to Dave Johnson about that. And, again, if you missed Stan, Gary Stein, Terry Hazeltine last night, you can find it, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab. Go to youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video in order to see it. Stan, um, weird stretch that the Orioles are in right now where we're trying not to be hyperbolic about it. We're trying not to, to be over the top. But yeah, it, that's what happens when you start caring about it, it really, results. And it, have when, the, when the results matter and when it's a string of – it's not just they lost games. It's that they were losing games and the offense was struggling. It's that they were losing games and then Grayson Rodriguez was a mess and had to be sent down. And then the bullpen. And then is. the bullpen it was yeah. a disaster the other night. And then you lose Cedric Mullins. It's, it's everything kind of all at once. And again, if you're going to have it happen. What's the name of that movie? Everything, everything Everywhere at All at Once. It's how it's felt for the Baltimore yeah. Orioles over the course of the last two weeks. Let's kind of go piece by piece all right. today if we could. Yeah. Let me start with where you are with Grayson's spot in the rotation. And in hindsight, I think we're all very confused as to why that was their plan for this game uh, two days ago, on Wednesday. Wednesday. 
as opposed to just calling up Cole Irvin again. Well, they couldn't call him up. He had to stay down 10 days. But with Cedric Mullins getting hurt. Uh, there could have been a way to maneuver They could that. have used okay. his injury to call up. Now, I get it. They wanted to get Aaron Hicks on the roster, yep. so they yep. decided to prioritize that over it. But in hindsight, you could have always sent down Keegan Aiken to make room for Aaron Hicks. Mm-hmm. Why not use that opportunity to have Cole Irvin make a start instead of doing whatever that was? We'd have to have Mike Elias on yeah. to answer that, really, uh, because they have seen they have seemed somewhat reluctant to pencil in a guy that they acquired and gave up a nice prospect in Daryl Hernandez. So uh, I expect the next turn that we will get Cole Irvin back Mm -hmm. in the starting rotation. And I think this time, I'm not predicting he's going to be an all-star, but I think this time we will get more of the Cole Irvin where you get six-plus innings out of a starting pitcher. They have definitely – He's definitely been. He's had a much better track record in in May, and has yeah, looked he's done very well in Norfolk after now. what was not just a disastrous start at the major league level, but his start first first one or two starts wasn't good down he's, there. But he's six and one now with an ERA of just over three. He's a little bit. We usually use that term with hitters. He's a streaky hitter. Mm-hmm. He's a streaky. He's a streaky pitcher. It you seems know, last like year. After his first three starts with the A's last year in 2022, from then till the middle or late August, like around August 20th, his earned run average was well under three runs a game, and his whip was about one. And then he had about five starts in a row because his season ERA ended up being 398, and his right. whip was like 140. Uh, these five starts were just horrific. So hopefully we can get him up and with better defense behind him, uh, you know, than he had in Oakland, we can start to see some of the reasons that they acquired him. Because right now it's been odd. It I, really has I think been. there's there's two questions that I had to follow it up. The first being, do you, do you wonder if there's any reluctance to commit to someone as being the fifth? So they have a bunch of off days this month, right? Yeah. So they don't need they a have fifth. six, right? Uh, that sounds Including right. Yesterday. All of, yeah. Including yeah. yesterday, yeah. And then, th- like, the next three Mondays, they're all off. And then there's a, nu- there's a week like where they only Thursdays have... Thursdays in a row that Correct. they're all off, too. Yeah. So, is, do you I think... worked it out because my Zooms are on Mondays and Thursdays. Perfect. I worked look, it out Look at MLP. how you nailed that. Look yeah. at how you Rob got Manfred that right. Rob Manfred and I are... Quite respectful. <laughs> very tight, yeah. I think they were just scared to go up against you. I think that was really what it was. <laughs> yeah, they said, well, was. we could play this game, but <laughs> nobody's going to be watching because they're all going to be watching Stan and Ross and Luke yeah. on Monday. I remind everybody that those Zooms can be consumed after the Oriole game. You they, know? they could you be. Yeah, I know the live product right. is <laughs> it's more dangerous when it's live right. you never yeah. know like i was always there could be a nip slip or my, something like that my nickname was johnny dangerous yeah, yeah. johnny dangerous um i wonder if they're reluctant to give the spot to someone because they have so many off days right. and they don't necessarily like ne- right for example they certainly don't need to have a pitcher on wednesday they could make it until saturday before they would need uh, need right. a fifth starter next week, and then they have the the situation again the following week where they wouldn't need a starter on Wednesday. They would only need a starter on Saturday. And if, in a way, they're sort of saying, hey, we still expect this to be Grayson's spot in the rotation. We're just trying to get him reset down there for a few starts, and so they don't really want to commit to someone as being the fifth starter right now 
and they were hoping that they could do the Austin Voth, Keegan Aiken right. bit for the few days that they need starters until they get through this stretch where they have so many offense. Right. I, I, that could be what they're thinking is, to me, I'm not looking at Grayson Rodriguez being down for a brief reset. Now, that may entirely be, I may be totally wrong, and they just want him to get two good games under his belt, and then he's back here. They, they had a reason for acquiring Cole Irvin, and it's not as if the starting rotation, even Tyler Wells, that they're just overwhelmingly good. No. That, you know, I mean, they're averaging, Glenn, about five innings yep. a start. That means four innings a night, Brandon Hyde has to work his magic, you know, around uh, who who's rested, who's not rested. It's particularly you know. frustrating on a night where you're up 7 nothing in the second inning and you had to use you had your to use, A bullpen yeah. and one-plus innings of Yanir Cano to make yeah. him unavailable the next day. Yeah. Very frustrating when that type of scenario plays out. I, I, I agree with you in that sense, and I do think there's something said for Cole Irvin. I also still think there's an issue with having Grayson Rodriguez pitch so many innings at AAA because if you believe that he can be helpful for your team this season and late in the year. But but here, here's my point, and I and I did the study on it, and I wrote about it for uh, the, the new print issue that comes out next week uh, or two in two weeks. The problem with Grayson Rodriguez, I and mean, this isn't a criticism of Dan Duquette, it's not a criticism of Mike Elias because this little thorny problem called the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, happened in 2020. If you go back to 2018 and look at um, uh, Grayson's innings pitch numbers, mm-hmm. okay, he threw about 75 innings that year. 2019, he was up to 103 innings in 23 starts. Right, he was pre- – he was – They've been so careful parceling out his innings. At a certain point, you're you're you, what's it? You bite your nose despite your face. They they've got to develop the pitcher first rather than worry about how many innings he's got in his arm at the age of 23 or 24 years old. So I'm not that worried about where he gets the innings in this year. They need to be productive development innings because I don't know what you're looking at. Where or what uh, anybody else that would say that this is a brief reset and that they've got to get him back up here. He showed me very little of greatness that he's got to be up. They got to get the development part first, and then then you can worry about how many innings he's throwing. I understand what you're saying. I, I would say I think the talent was obvious. I think that there's no question the talent's there. It, it came there. off to me more mental. The center center stuff was, you know, it, it's unfathomable. He made unfathomable pitches in frustrating situations. I, you know, there's it, two different ways to skin that cat. Is it mental? Is it just to your point? He's it's got to be repetitive. Well, part of the mentality though, Glenn, is the development part of becoming a major league pitcher. He was trying to pitch to to hitters the third time around for the first time in his professional career at the major league level. That's part of the development is if you took if you I'm just trying to think if you took uh got uh, Dan Straley okay. and looked at Dan Straley and he only pitched as a starting pitcher in the minor leagues three and two thirds innings, four and a third, he was never put out in the deep water 
of pitching six and two-thirds, seven and a third, he never developed how to get hitters out. And if you look at the damage, most of the damage, I know he had first inning problems on a couple mm -hmm. starts, but it's the the guys hitting the home runs off of him were third time through the order. I feel like there's a question of whether or not, and again, this goes back to the thing that we talked about before, whether or not he should have even been facing. But that comes back to the problem that you have with how overtaxed your bullpen is. So let's go to the next level, which is, and we discussed this yesterday, at what point... Do we have to say you got to cut? You got to cut. Perez. CNL Perez. Like at what point does it become? We we talked about it's easy to do that when we thought it was Dylan Tate that was going to be replacing him, and right. you felt like it, look, if we got to make a roster spot, we can't justify this any longer. Now you're talking about doing it for just to do it essentially. The, the bullpen, and this was very interesting. I give I gave Mike Elias great credit for not assuming, making the assumption. That the 2023 bullpen was going to be every bit as good as the 2022 bullpen. Mm-hmm. That's why he went out and spent significant dollars. What is Givens making, by the way? Is it six million dollars? I thought it was seven. Seven. Uh, we can. I'll get it. Okay. Yeah. Whatever it is, it seems like it's about six million too much right now. I mean, this is a guy who's been a very no, he's competent. Been awful. He's just been. He's five, by the way. Five, five million. Okay, well, that's not as bad as seven. Um, he has been absolutely awful. They've Let's face it. The combination of Perez's performance, the overuse of the bullpen, and Perez's uh, performance, it's been like a hand grenade that's blown up in Brandon Hyde's face. It's been absolutely awful, and it's fueled every night by the fact that he's got to get four and two-thirds innings every night out of the same four or five guys. I, I have come around to, I, it kind of doesn't matter if you don't have a better option. Some any, You have to try something else. You just Gee, can't I wonder keep, if that D.L. Hall guy could, could maybe help out in the bullpen. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if that would be a benefit. I, yeah. I There's also a part of me, by the way, that goes back to the starting, where it like as much as I agree that it should be Cole Irvin's spot, yeah. I keep coming back to, but I sort of just want them to put D.L. Hall in the rotation so we can get this experiment over with. So we can just get... Whatever your obsession is with D.L. Hall as a starting pitcher, let's get through that part. Let him be the guy every fifth day, and then if it doesn't work, let's move on. One of the dangerous things about being – I've never been the smartest guy in the room, so it's not a problem problem that I've had. But one of the dangerous things about being very smart is you're you're not used to asking for help or advice, and you get stubborn – when something isn't happening the way you need it to mm-hmm. happen or the way you've kind of predicted it to happen. And I think they're in a little bit of a bind with that with D.L. Hall. They've sort of yo-yoed, you know. Right. The, it's got to be the one of the most bizarre stories, Glenn, how they brought him up last year, had that one start, and then said, okay, we sort of agree It's uh, he's a bullpen guy. And the results were... I won't say totally mixed. I think there was more positive than negative. I tend to agree. And all of a sudden, the season ends, and they go, ah, we're going to go back to him. It, it just made no sense. I, I don't get it yeah. at all. I don't get it even a little bit. But I do think that you're I, – I think that you're at the end of the rope with Perez. Yeah. I don't think you can continue to live in fear of – Yeah, somebody him. else is going to get him. I, and, I, yeah. I think at this point you have to assume, well, we can find another CNL Perez at that yeah. point. Like, I, I just don't think you can continue to throw him out there. I just don't know what they're going to do with Givens. Givens, uh, Givens looks, first of all, do you agree or am I oh, seeing I, it? He looks like he's put on – 
20 pounds since the last time I saw him pitching for the and, Orioles. And that's, okay, that would be the comparison. Because I don't know what he looked like last year. I wasn't paying close right, enough I, attention to know exactly, like, what Well, he, they should have, you know. Yeah, and I don't his numbers weren't horrible no, last year. No, not at year. all. Um, you know. I think that you have to give that a bit more time in hopes that it's still just him ramping up. I, I would think that Dan Duquette, by now, would say, oh, he's tweaked his, uh, you know, right, and, gr- and groin. And he's got to go on a rehab, you know, uh, rest up for a week, and then go. something is wrong. Something's oh. rotten in Denmark oh, with it is. Uh, it is Michael wretched. Givens. Uh, and now to for, for what it is worth, he was listed at two thirty in twenty nineteen with the he's Orioles. Two fifty now. now he's two fifty. Listed at two fifty. Um, the Cedric Mullins situation was obviously devastating for a number of reasons, but the most significant being he's been your best player. He's been this team's best player this season. He's, he's even been better than Adley in terms I, of what he's produced this year. I, yeah. I pointed out when I wrote that column two weeks ago that it, it's almost unfathomable, but he had a higher war than Adley yeah. Rutschman did at that point. And I would have to look to see what it is today um, because I haven't checked in a little while. I, there's nothing that you can do to replace Cedric Mullins. That doesn't work. They were interested in Aaron Hicks, according to them, before Cedric Mullins got hurt. And the one part of that that maybe makes a little bit of sense is, for as bad as Aaron Hicks has been, he actually was somewhat hitting lefties this season, and the Orioles had not been hitting lefties mm-hmm. very well. I don't, do we have an update on Aaron Hicks, by the way? Is he? Like, uh, I have haven't we, seen one. I didn't see one yesterday yeah. either after he left the game. So, <laughs> I mean, one day. One day, and he's down. A lot of consternation among Orioles fans. Obviously, one of two things is going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Either Cedric Mullins, either they're going to prove to be right about Cedric Mullins. It's going to be weeks, not months. Mm-hmm. And, you know, within this, maybe before, or around mid-June, they'll start to have an opportunity to get Cedric Mullins back. Or Colton Kowser will have come back, and that will be their opportunity to have Colton Kowser come up and play every day until Cedric Mullins is returns. My, here's my my opinion what's going on. First of all, I'd probably rather have a switch-hitting Aaron Hicks than a switch-hitting Taron Vavro on my team, just just to begin with okay. right now. But I, I this guess gives the argument a, against would be ver- Valver's versatility, yeah. that he can play a few more positions. Yeah, but they've got that covered with Urias and, and Frazier being able to be versatile. Mm-hmm. Or, but I'd, I'd rather have – I'll tell you what, I'd rather have Jordan Westberg. So that's uh, what I wanted yeah. to get to. But, but getting back to Kowser – I think what we're going to see with Hicks is a brief, like almost like a Brett Phillips last year right. glimpse of him. If somehow he produces the way he did yesterday with two singles mm-hmm. and a walk mm-hmm. in three at-bats, if he's producing at some level that's more than just average, I think he's going to stick on the roster, and you'll see Vavra go back down when Mullins is ready. Um uh, but I think if he's really they, – they do a quick once-over on him and go, this, this just isn't going to play. I think Kowser is in 12 days when he's back playing. Yeah. You can't have a player make his major league no, debut on his rehab. Correct. You know. That does not work, yeah. and I agree with that. Yeah, I think what you just brought up is what a lot of Orioles fans were feeling this week is, no, it's not an obvious answer because Jordan Westberg doesn't play center field. Right. But isn't this the appropriate time to shuffle the deck chairs and say, if we need it, like Aaron Hicks can't replace Cedric Mullins because no one can really replace Cedric Mullins. 
but that if you need a boost offense, this team needed an offensive boost with Cedric Mullins. If you need an offensive boost to say, let's bring up someone who is a hot bat, who we have reason to believe can be a quality major league hitter, yep. and let's shuffle the deck chairs as necessary in order to figure out how to get him into the line. And what further backs that idea up, Glenn, is, and it's quite possible that's what they end up doing, is they touted that the acquisition of Adam Frazier was because he could play the corner outfield right. spots. So the best guy to play center field, even when Aaron Hicks is healthy, is Austin Hayes right now. I agree. Defensively. Hicks can play left field, and you got to keep your eye on him because he really did deteriorate defensively. But I don't think it's above and beyond the possibility that it was big contract, New York failing, that there was just so much pressure on Aaron Hicks okay. there that he, he might just be relaxed at a different level here in Baltimore. Ma- and, maybe and that's maybe the case. They, you know. Maybe that's the case. But you're, I hope it, it's good for the Orioles. But your point seems to be that you— They gave him a terrible number, though. Oh, then it's not going to work. Yeah, right? There's just number no way. Number 34. You can't, you can't. Name me a 34 in the Oriole uh, history. Oh, Kevin Gaussman. They give him Kevin, Kevin Gaussman's number. Mm. Gaussman was 39 and 38. Was I wrong? Am I wrong about Gaussman? Yeah. Oh, he's he he might have had three numbers. Hang on a second. Gaussman was definitely 39. Also one of the worst Oriole uniform numbers. Hang on a second. Let's see. The uniform history of the Baltimore Orioles. Was uh, Kevin 30, 34. Miller? No. Uh, not uh, Storm Davis was number 34. Nelson Bryles wore 34. Yeah. There's mm. not a lot. There's not a lot there that, uh, you know. He did wear, Gosman did wear 34 I, at one point. For when, when Fernando Valenzuela was in Baltimore, he, he wore, wore 34. 34. When Chris Benson was in Baltimore, he wore number oh. 34. What, by the way, whatever happened to Anna Benson? Did, uh, that's a great question. Whatever happened to Anna Benson? Which I, loony bin is she when I, part I of? I swear to God, when I was working at uh, 105.7 the first time around, right. Uh, the day that they acquired Chris Benson, right? Our, you had, our you had then, Anna on. Well, we definitely had Anna on, but I had um, a certain person who was in charge over there, who's still a very important person in that company. So I'm not gonna, but walk in and say, "We need to hire her and give her two hours every day." <laughs> and I said, "That's radio programming I, at its best." I don't think that's a great idea, <laughs> but thank you for employing me. Uh, I I didn't. Apparently, Brooks yeah, wore Brooks number Robinson 34 in, 19, in 1956. <laughs> I guess, is that Brooks when he came Robinson. up? Yeah. I had no recollection of that whatsoever. No, I don't remember that at all. That he had that was, those were in the days when the 34 was probably like 69, 72, you know. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm pulling up. Anyway, Matt, Matt just, Albers. Oh, God. Matt Albers wore number 34. Eek. Eek. Yeah, not uh, a great number. For and Jake, him. Know. Jake Arrieta apparently briefly wore number thirty. That was that was yeah. Kevin yeah. Millwood is who I was thinking. Ah, of. there we go. Yeah, there we go. Um, so if if they were to consider yes Westberg, map it out for me. You're saying Westberg plays second. Fraser moves to a to to left field. To left field against right-handed pitching, probably. Yeah, that's that's how I would. Sess that out. I yeah. think that would be the I because I do think there's the second layer to this question too, which is how long do you stick this out with Jorge Mateo? Yeah, like I think that part 
we have to to cover it it's, some point. It's becoming part of the conversation. There's no question about it. And it's very difficult because I get it. He is a very good defensive shortstop, and I all I would worry that in their mind, if it's not Mateo, it has to be Ortiz. Right. That they wouldn't want to potentially take a step back, even if we think that Westberg can play the position, you know, fine at a at a, a solid level. That they would say it either has to be more Mateo or it's going to have to be Ortiz. We have to have a high level shortstop, so that they they wouldn't shortstop do shortstop is not the position you want to jerk around with. You know, it it's just too important. And I think we agree that Gunnar Henderson, part of his recent success, has been the stabilizing factor of just playing him at third base. I, I think that's part of it. I and and they need his obviously they need Gunnar Henderson's bat to come. They need him to be focused on producing offensively because that in yeah. order for this team to accomplish anything of significance, it's going to have to involve Gunnar Henderson being a significantly better offensive player, as especially the against on. the right-handers. No question, no question about, about it. When one last thing about the Oriole offense: uh, Are we? Is there anybody in this room? and there's only three of us here, and I'm raising my hand, mm-hmm. that would like to see against the really tough right-handed pitchers, Ryan O'Hearn get some first-base starts. That's interesting. I mean, I am right? really tired mm-hmm. of and, – and this is not a, a total bash of Ryan Mountcastle. No, but there's some really non-productive. he's hitting 233. Yep. His on-base percentage is 271. He struck out 55 times to 11 walks. Ugh. You know, look, there's well, a reason, I would, I would Ryan. Go, even even re- some of those strikeouts are completely uncompetitive. They're, non-competitive they're, they strikeouts. They really are. They're, they're just, he's never in the at-bat. It's, there's like 15 or 18 of those 55 that aren't even competitive. Yep. Uh, and, and look, I'm not saying that Ryan O'Hearn is the answer. There's a reason he's a journeyman type of player. But I'm not also saying give him the job full-time. I'm not even saying make it a platoon I'm saying, does he have to start every game and bat fourth? You know, they did drop him the other night to yeah, sixth in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I think I'm with you. Even Santander start putting and then get and then you can DH Gunner instead of taking Gunner completely out of the lineup. Or I mean, literally anyone. Else. I mean, O'Hearn, and they want Arias in the lineup to be clear. They, yes, they, and they want him Arias. on the field. Yeah. You know, but O'Hearn is the guy that that is, is sort of his performance is screaming like. Let me play him two or three times a week. I, I don't disagree with that. It doesn't have to be at the expense of Mountcastle every time. Right. And I'll tell you another thing about him. Every time I watch him play the outfield, I go, this guy's a pretty solid outfield. He's competent. There's yeah, no question competent. about that. Very There's fun. no question. All right. Uh, today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in. How are we going to get by the first half hour of this show? I don't know. I don't know how we're going to handle that. Comes in a range. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range <laughs> of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Orioles do open up a series tonight in San Francisco again in about 30 minutes. John Miller will join us. But before that, Obviously, game one of the NBA Finals last night. We'll talk about the dominance of the Denver Nuggets, and uh, we'll talk about the possibility of DeAndre Hopkins in Baltimore. Stan and I haven't chatted about that yet either. So we'll do those things when we come back in. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. 
The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? It is a fair question. I ask that myself constantly. Hey, Pressbox is offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from the seven legal online sportsbooks. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers right now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after you place your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books, but you got to go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers in order to sign up today. Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with us this morning. Stan, did you watch the basketball game last yes, night? Yes, I did. Although um, I, did, I had a major issue last night. Oh. My friend uh, Boogie Wineglass has in t- been in town for about five okay. weeks. And we've been watching a lot of basketball together. It's a way he can get out of the house, and he loves watching his hoops. So he asked me, he said, hey, I'm not going to be over till 9-10, 9-15. Can you tape the game? Okay. And we had done that the week before. And I went to my thing, you know, where it came up. And last night, number one, it had the score on the, well, on the thing. That's not great. And then I click it. And it went right to live action. Oh, 
would skip past everything that you had recorded. I don't understand why. I still don't understand why. I don't know the the answer to that either, Stan, to be honest with you. Um, I'm not terribly surprised by how game one unfolded. No, I wasn't. That I'm surprised. not going to be surprised if this is just kind of how the series goes. I, I thought, I think the Nuggets are definitively better. I, For what it's worth, it, they were definitively better out of the shoot, and Miami still kept hanging around and kept keeping it within like eight points for a while. And you did wonder if maybe they had that one big run in them. The problem is when the big run came, they were down by 21 points yeah. and even their big run only got them back within 10 right. in the fourth quarter. And then that they was once got to nine. Okay, one, yeah, they one got the nine at one point, and then that got snuffed because the only Miami Heat player that showed up was Haywood Haywood Highsmith. Yeah, Haywood Highsmith, oddly, the Baltimore native, was yeah. the was what he had fifteen last night. I think he had eighteen. Yeah, he had eighteen off the bench in twenty three minutes. Uh, seldom used in these playoffs, yeah. they go to him because they got a team that's you know been. Who else did they use? They used somebody else last night that I uh, hadn't played Hovich. a ton. Yeah, well, he only he got in at the end. Oh, that's of the right. Game, yeah, right? you're right. Uh, I thought there was I mean, somebody else that they used among Duncan did Robinson. Did Alonzo Mourning get in? I don't think Alonzo <laughs> got in at any point. I'm not trying to utterly write off the Heat. No, they're I just they're a they're a they've got a lot of heart. There's no they question about the, that. The the championship gene that they have that runs from Pat Riley to Eric Spolstra, it, it showed itself by winning that game in Boston. So I wouldn't outright dismiss them, but if they get beat Sunday night and they get beat decisively Sunday night, then then turn off the lights, the I party's over. I just kind of think that's, that's the story yeah. here. I think the story is it's not about the heat. It's the Nuggets are their tank. This is Nikola Jokic didn't even play all that well last night, like by his standards. Right. It was. I understand what you're about to tell me. Go ahead, read his numbers. Twenty seven. Yep. Fourteen assists. Yep. Ten. So only ten rebounds. But it wasn't up to one block. By Nikola Jokic standards, (laughs) that was kind of a pedestrian effort from him. Only one three pointer. He wasn't really going in the first half. He was just sort of because he didn't have to be. I mean, eight assists in the first quarter. I understand, but he didn't have to be assertive. They, they. It was interesting because he was so assertive. I think in the first quarter. I mean, he, I'm, yeah, because he had like four points in the first he quarter. Took, he attempted then, like three shots in the yeah. in, entire first half. <laughs> like he just was not. But that's look. He didn't yeah. have to be. They yeah. were willing to collapse on him, and then he kicked it out, and that's what he does so well. We asked Scott Hastings that question last Friday about the altitude issue. Mm-hmm. The, the only thing that might help them is that they were getting a cut. I'd have yeah. to believe they were out there since, like, probably well, That Monday. was part of the story. They flew out immediately after right, game exactly, seven. to get accustomed. Mm-hmm. So maybe they get a little boost by really being acclimated this by Sunday. Uh, but I, I know one thing. They will not go down without a fight. No. Yeah. Even Again, even when they were down They're, 21 in the fourth quarter yeah. last night, it would have, I think it would have been easy for some coaches to say – let's empty the bench, let's not waste all of our energy on this one. Game two is significant. But I think what Eric Spolstra has found is that by having those guys gut it out for even the fourth quarter in a game where it doesn't look like you're going to win, they're getting more continuity out of that, and they're building something that has worked for them during the course of this postseason. There's one other factor that could play into it, but it's interesting. Jokovic's postgame interview – um, with what's her name from Baltimore? Uh, uh, Lisa Salters. Yeah, Lisa Salters. Uh, he said, you know, we really respect this team. They're a great club, you know, and all that. 
it would be them coming out and thinking kind of, in my opinion, yeah, what happened to Boston mm-hmm. in game seven was God, yeah, we, we won just the won series. three in yeah. a row. Yeah. We'd just go show up and, and there was no effort. You've got to have the effort against that team because they're going to come at you. I agree. Um, I, I, I still I think it's a, I think it's a five-game series. I, I, I think that it it's would a, look that way right now. Um, so that was the that was game one of the NBA Finals. As Stan pointed out, game two is Sunday night at, at eight, 8 o'clock, not at eight thirty. Not eight thirty. Eight oh. o'clock on Sunday night. So yes, Big. don't. Well, I just, why are they it, doing it, that? That, that just, happened to me one year during the finals, where yeah. I tu- I was just used to the games yeah. being at eight thirty. Why? And why I tuned are they in, I doing like, that? I mean, why why not just keep the continuity of eight thirty? I mean, I guess I guess network I mean, TV is really lined up for the for eight o'clock, eight and it's o'clock, a Sunday, and they would o'clock. say they want the kids to be able to watch yeah. more of the game because yeah. schools aren't aren't out just yet so i think next week is when school ends in most places so i i can sort of see why they would want to do it some people would say it's a sunday why not do it at seven right like but i i I get it i'm used to 8 30 you've told me the game's starting at 8 30 let me watch an 8 30 game and and plan around uh aj michaels heating ac plumbing you know ac season is is upon us it's here 90 degrees next damn right it is and there's a today, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I think it is. Yep. And there's a reason. I my kid had a look. This is the last week of lacrosse season for my eight year old. The previous week was the last week of the five year old, and he had a game yesterday at five o'clock, and it was miserable. I mean, it was just sticky and awful, and nobody was happy. It was a terrible. And he was, by the way, he was good for about like he played really well for the first half. And I was like, man, this might be the best that Graham's played all season. And then in the second half, he was completely just gone guessed. just gone nothing um but they won their playoff game so you know we're marching on playing so marching on marching on in the semifinals now on saturday morning uh there's a reason why aj michaels is expert and award-winning because they're going to help you improve your home's energy and efficiency and comfort levels new rebates and discounts are available more at ajmichaels.com stan before the show today you asked me a question where's deandre hopkins going to end up yep I wrote about it for PressBox uh, this week because I don't think it's absurd that the Ravens would be in the conversation for DeAndre Hopkins despite everything they have. Right. But I, it's, it's a twofold issue that I'm dealing with. I get the concept. There's only so many players available. You've got, based on the Lamar Jackson contract, you've got some cap space right now. Right. The likelihood of a DeAndre Hopkins caliber player at a position of greater need so that's one thing that's brought up and brought up a couple of times. A cornerback, a rush end. It's extraordinarily unlikely that there's going to be a DeAndre Hopkins caliber cornerback that's going to become available right. or a DeAndre Hopkins caliber pass rusher that's going to become available. You kind of are where you are. You had to hold the money because you needed to get the – if you weren't going to get a deal done with Lamar Jackson, you were going to have to pay him the franchise tag value so you weren't able to get into that level of free agency – it's a shame that it worked out that way, but that's where you are. Yep. You can't change it now. I think there is an argument for, well, this is what's out there. Just try to put the absolute best roster on the field that you possibly can. And that putting the extra money toward offense can't can't really hurt yeah, you. If, if, if you're going to have a problem in your secondary, one way to maybe make up for it is to be better suited points. to score 30 points a game. Yeah. On the flip side, I am enamored with the idea that the Ra- or the, cons- the possibility the Ravens have in front of them uh, for the first time in franchise history, having a duo of wide receivers that you could potentially build around for the next five years. 
We've never had that in Baltimore. We very rarely had one. The times where the Ravens have had two receivers, it's always been the pairing of a young receiver, a Torrey Smith, with a veteran, an Anquan Bolden, a Steve Smith that was later in their career. Right. We've never seen this possibility. For one year, they had Marquise Brown and uh, Rashad Bateman on the field Mm -hmm. together, but that was a fleeting, and they moved on from it very quickly. I don't want anything to hurt the development of Rashad Bateman or Zay Flowers, because I think you have this unique possibility of having a special duo. So I admit that I'm kind of torn about this DeAndre Hopkins thing. I, I don't think it can be... What would happen? Could they, could they acquire um, DeAndre Hopkins and trade Bateman? They could. I mean, would he have va- would he have value, or you'd be selling selling? I, I I think you'd be not pennies on the dollar. Right. I think you'd be selling like 85, 50 cent, 80, 80, 80 cents to eighty five cents on the dollar. Right, mm-hmm. like that that because of his talent, he would be desirable. But I don't think you could get a first round pick for right. him. And then at that point. He was a first-round pick that you're now moving on from right. for less than a first-round right. pick. And they could make it – like people want to say, well, you got a first-round pick for Hollywood Brown. No, you flip-flopped a third-round pick for a first-round right. pick. Like you didn't – or a second, whatever. What was it that they traded back? Was it a second or a third? I don't for remember. For the DeAndre – No, in the Hollywood Brown deal. Oh, in the Hollywood uh, – I got to double-check that. Yeah. Yeah. But like, they didn't actually just get a first-round right. pick I understand. for it Hollywood a, Brown. It was a mix and match. Correct. They moved up a little bit in the draft in, yeah. by trading Hollywood Brown. That was how that worked. Right. I, I'm not – That got, I a, have, that got him Linderbaum, didn't yes. it? Yes. Yes, that or was no, – that, uh, that was Hamilton. Hamilton was Hamilton. the pick, okay. was that pick. Um, I am not – I'm not really interested in moving on from Rashad. I think that there is too the, the talent No, I think level, he's an amazing talent. If yeah. he can be healthy, the talent level is so legitimate that it it, it was Leonard Bond because they, it, was what 20, was the it was twenty. What was the trade? Okay. That's what I want to know. I want to know what the trade was because it was a first round. It was Hollywood Brown and a second or third round pick in exchange for a first rounder. And so we rewrite history and say, you got a first round pick, third round pick, third round pick and Hollywood Brown. Yes. For their for, first. Rounder. Yeah. For their first. So you, again, th- it's important that we talk about it yeah. that way. Yeah. I, I don't want to move on from Rashad Bateman in any way. I think okay. if you're doing it, you're doing it because you're saying, let's load up. We don't know exactly what Zay Flowers will be as a rookie. We don't know exactly what Odell Beckham will be coming off. A, you know, a season-long injury. That's right, and Beckham's only a one-year yeah. deal. Now, Hopkins w- would be a multi-year deal. You would if assume. They, you yeah. would assume. I, don't, I still think he's going to end up with either Buffalo or uh, and I Kansas do too. City. I do, too. I guess my own I, – I, and it, I don't think it would be a – I don't think it's would the Philly, wrong... Would Philly have any room oh, for him? I think they would have fine room for him. Yeah. In the same way that you would look at the Ravens and say, well, you don't yeah. need him. Philly doesn't right. need him, but right. – why not? Yeah. Like, why not load up? Now, I do think they're in a similar spot as the other two teams where they just don't have a ton of cap space. Um, although, after they did the Hurts deal, I don't know what their cap space is. Now, did I read like. something to the effect that he's flirting with going back to the Texans? Did I read that? I, some? I think I read that the Texans – no, no, no. Deshaun Watson was what I read. That, okay. That there was uh, some talk about the Browns being interested in repairing him with – Deshaun Watson. Right. Oh, he, oh, okay. He did also post something on his Instagram story where he was driving around in Houston. Uh, Hopkins. Did. I, that one makes <laughs> zero sense to me, but yeah. you know, sure. I guess if he just loves Houston, <laughs> then sure, I guess you can always go back. I just don't know what the point of that would be yeah. to go pair with a rookie quarterback when you're 31 years old and you don't know how many more opportunities you're going to have to try to win a Super Bowl. 
if I was DeAndre Hopkins, I'd be hell-bent on being on one of these on teams team that, that you genuinely believe could win a yeah. Super Bowl now to yeah. give yourself your best chance. The Jets. Um, the yeah, other, I don't understand the Jets' comment they, that we're very happy with what we've got. They in do our, have good receivers. I mean, They have good receivers. I think that's more that, that, that might be the parallel to what the Ravens are going through right now, where you say we've got young receivers. We invested picks right. in these guys. We want to, to let that play out, and we don't want to stunt the growth of any of these players in the process would be the Jets thing. The other story, and I don't even know why it's a story, the other thing that was percolating yesterday was an almost insane reaction to a tweet that J.K. Dobbins sent out. Okay. I'm so befuddled by what, like, so J.K. Dobbins, I don't, I don't know why Twitter's not working right now. Also, so. yeah, it's being kind of yeah. weird, I think. J.K. Dobbins um, tweets out yesterday, Baltimore, Ravens flock, I hope I'm here to the end of my career. I love you, with a perp, little purple heart. Which sounds who's, who's J.K. Dobbins, Dobbins tweets that, and that yeah, sounds who, who is right, yeah. That sounds quite nice, right? Like, great. I, that's that's what. What's the problem there? Now there was a follow up tweet about business being business that I can't pull up because Twitter is being. He said, wonky. "What did he say?" He said, "I don't know though." Right? Isn't that that Wasn't was his he kind of edgy at the end of the season that he should Well, he was very more. frustrated about the playoff game. Yeah. He was extraordinarily frustrated, almost directly about the fact they had Tyler Huntley trying to lay out for two yards right. and didn't have him in, in a goal line situation. Right. And he, you he know. He was furious. Yeah. He did not hold back no, um, no. post game after the playoff game about his frustration about him not being used in goal line situations. And. He's actually kind of that's percolated a couple of times in the off season on Twitter where he's sort of had fun with it. Like somebody would tweet, he would see a tweet about his statistics, and then he would like retweet it and say, "And imagine if ah, never mind." He would say things like that on Twitter. That to me, whatever you know what I mean. Like I that none none of that's ever gonna bother me. I, every guy wants the ball. Every single player. Wants the ball in these situations. Every wide yeah, receiver sure want players that want the ball. A hundred percent. I'm never going to be bothered by players that say I want the ball more. Now no, they don't all deserve to get the ball more, but if you if you guys loved Steve Smith and every single one of you seem to love Steve Smith, there's no way you can love Steve Smith and be bothered by J.K. Dobbins because it's the exact right. same concept. Right. They're just guys that want the ball, and you could say, well, Steve Smith had a track record, whatever. They want the ball. That's who football players are, every single one of them. So I'm not bothered by it. The, it's, I think what people are reading into it is the idea that maybe he's hinting about a holdout or he's hinting about, I want a contract. This is the final year of his deal. Um, I want I, – I, but he didn't say any of that, and that's what makes this so – why the reaction is so confusing to me. It seemed like – you know, just a sentiment that maybe he saw people talking about the fact that he wasn't at voluntary OTAs, mm -hmm. and he just wanted to say, "Look, man, no hard feeling. I love you guys. Like, I want to be a Raven. I'm. I don't know. I don't know why we're reacting. Th this gained so much steam yesterday, and it came off to me as a this is what happens when there's no football games going on yeah. right now that we overreact yeah. to anything. Nothing about this is concerning to me." I don't think it would be smart for J.K. Dobbins to hold out when it, I, I, I no. you'll yeah, never. I, I wouldn't read too much into it. He would never get me to care about a guy not being at voluntary OTAs. I do think that it's a good thing that Lamar Jackson showed up because I think in part of doing the contract, they say, "Look, man, we're asking for you right. to give us a little extra buy-in this year 
because yeah, there's because a new coordinator, got new offensive coordinator, new receivers, new, new receivers. Is it weird that none of the corners have shown up? Like it's none of it is weird to me. It's voluntary. Well, Caillou Blue Kelly, Pepe Williams, Rocky Scene, they're not there. Marlon's not there. I mean, that, that I, one's... Caillou Blue Kelly, if I'm, I would imagine, Stanford is a different place. You probably have to finish your second semester at Stanford in order to, mm-hmm. like, you can't, mm-hmm. it's not like other schools where they'll just cheat and say, like, hey, we'll let you have your degree even though you didn't finish it. This was a problem years ago. It's funny because we don't think of Oregon as an institute of higher learning, but, like, Haloti Nada couldn't come to these things because he had to finish his other semester at Oregon. Stanford uniquely would seem like the type of place where they would say, dude, we're not, we're not working around you. That's not how it, uh, that's not how this place operates. You have to be here in order to finish your degree. And Caillou Blue Kelly says to the Ravens, Hey, look, I, I love you, but I re- I went to Stanford. I'd really like to finish my degree. I don't know what the future is going to hold for me. And the Ravens probably say, we get it. We understand that. We hope you'll be here for you know, the parts that matter. But go ahead and finish everything at Stanford until you get to that point. I'll never be worked up about any of these guys not being here for voluntary OTAs because they're voluntary OTAs. I, I just, would it be nice? Yes, I'd love it if they were all there because I don't think it could possibly hurt. But I'll never be worked up by it. Whoever shows up, if somebody doesn't show up for mandatory OTAs, then there's a problem, right? Like, then we know at that point there's an actual problem. A guy like Rakasin, he's on a one-year deal, he's a one-year right? Deal, yes. And if he would get hurt in a in a practice, you know, voluntary, he could jeopardize his full contract, right? I would have to. He wouldn't be. They wouldn't have to put him on the roster for week one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like there is, there would certainly be ways they could wiggle around that yeah. at that point. Um, I, I, none of that's going to bother me. And if J.K. Dobbins doesn't show up for mandatory OTAs, I, I would say that's a mistake on J.K. Yeah. Dobbins' part. But we'll deal with that when we deal with that. Yeah. Like, we're reacting to something that hasn't happened. I, I just don't know what the why we're so worried about this tweet from J.K. Dobbins that all it really says is, love you guys. <laughs> cool. That Love you too, bro. Like, <laughs> what, what am I supposed to be offended about by this tweet? I'd like to tweet him back from my phone. Yeah, but, but I, you can't but get I onto can. your Twitter account. He said, I hope I'm here till the end of my career. I love you. And Ravens fans said, scandal! <laughs> Whoa! Crazy times! Like, I, what do you want me to say? I do think this is a critical year for J.K. Dobbins to prove what his value is, because I don't think it's a certainty that the Ravens, right now, if you told me, gun to your head, are the Ravens going to pay J.K. Dobbins? No. I mean, what, you know, why like, should they? I, I mean, there's definitely skill there. There's no question that yeah. there's skill. There's obvious skill. But do I know that do he's I, special? I'm not going to give him do more I, than that. What was it, a three-year $15 million for Gus Edwards that we did I, I, uh, I a year know. or two ago? Yeah. I mean, like – I certainly don't know that he's a special football player – you know, I think his chance to have been special was robbed from him with that injury. I think there's no well, yeah. but again, he could yeah. prove this season that he's that guy again. I just and then, wonder if he'll have that speed that he had, it, that it, the second that he, the second gear that he clearly was missing a year ago. That yeah. was obvious that it wasn't there. That that's the difference. If he's got that back this season, then I think it goes a long way to showing yeah. the opportunity for J.K. Dobbins to be special. If he doesn't, then I think the Ravens will be right back in the running back mix and. When, you've, when you're going to be spending the amount of money on your quarterback they're going to be spending, they just might look at running back and say that's going to have to be an area where we spend less money. Yep. 
and where we're going to have to just keep drafting running backs and see what we can make work because we can't afford to also pay money at that position given the money we're already paying our quarterback. We'll see how that plays out. All right, winding down for hour number one of the show. How are we ever going to get by the first first hour hour. of the show to John Miller? That's unbelievable. We have so much more. What did you prepare for today? What did you? You have topics you you want to get into? I prepare a lot. You get topics. Hey, uh, if you have not signed up yet, we are into the final 12 days for you to sign up to win four tickets to all of the area minor league baseball teams, plus a $25 Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms in order to help you get around. But in order to sign up, you got to go to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. That's PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. Get signed up right now. Must be 18 or older in order to enter, and it ends on June 14th, so you're running out of time to get signed up. When we come back in, the legend, the iconic, a beloved figure in this city, and a very beloved figure as well in the San car Francisco. Car dealer, right? John Miller. John, that John Miller. The guy that was helping us out with the Tyus Bowser show last year. <laughs> yeah. That John Miller. Uh, John Miller, the great John Miller, is going to join us next, and we'll get ready for Orioles Giants. Stan the Fan Charles is here. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The All-America Senior Game powered by New Balance will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. 
All right, back in here on GCR. And don't forget, PressBoxOnline.com slash offers is the place to get all of the best offers and sign-up bonuses, incentives for sports betting. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers right now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings. After you place your first $5 bet, you can see this and other great sportsbook offers right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Hey, before we get to John Miller, did you watch Succession at all? Did you watch? No, never, no. W- never watched a single episode. Did you ever watch Ted Lasso? Did you ever? I, I've watched Ted Lasso. I haven't watched this season yet. You haven't watched this season. Okay, yeah. all right. I don't. What I love el- Ted Lasso. What else have you been watching recently? I've really not been watching much. I watched Citadel. Oh, right. You were telling us about Citadel, which was right? only six episodes, fifty million dollars an episode, three hundred million dollars. So and then watched what they have in store with that. That thing is going to be spin-off right, city. Right, right. And I'm not that interested in the original. Okay, you know? so you're trying to check out on. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm not going to get. I'm not going to dive in. They're not going to recoup that. their 300 million dollars on not, you. Not off my back. Saying. Yeah. All right. Very good. Uh, joining us now here on GCR as we get ready for Orioles Giants this weekend out in San Fran. This man, an absolute legend, a uh, broadcasting icon, a beloved That's figure. That's me clapping. But I, I'm, I would clap for this man all the time. Yeah. A uh, beloved figure here in Baltimore from his time with the Orioles. Of course, now a beloved figure in San Francisco. He is the great John Miller, and he is back with us now here on GCR. John, it's Glenn, and Stan the Fan Charles is here with me. It's always great to catch up with you, sir. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. My pleasure, and uh, always enjoy talking about some ball, and maybe you could give me a little information about this Orioles team that's doing so well and about which I know so little. I know you guys don't get to do a whole lot of games. Uh, John, I, we'll get to, I, I want to talk Orioles-Giants with you, if I could, before that. There's two things that, that Stan and I wanted to cover. One, this is the 40th anniversary of the 1983 World Series. And I just wonder if you could take us back. You were freshly in Baltimore, and you got to experience this magical season. Kind of what it meant to you. Maybe if there were per- certain moments during the course of that year that stood out to you and you've carried with you over the course of these last four decades? The, the, the 1983 season, it, it was so special in so many different ways. But at the same time, it wasn't that unexpected because the Orioles had been good year after year for a long, long time. And uh, they had even sort of rebuilt themselves in the 70s when guys like uh, Eddie Murray came along and uh, uh, Jim Palmer was surrounded by even more outstanding pitchers like Mike Flanagan and Scott McGregor, among others. And uh, so when they were so good and Cal Ripken had emerged in 1982 as the rookie of the year, it looked like a, a really good ball club. And, you know, they had, they'd had a, a year, what was it, a couple of years before that, where they won 100 games and didn't finish in first place. Uh, and they didn't have a wild card slot for the postseason at that time. So, uh uh, so it wasn't that unexpected. And, and I remember that my first experience coming into Baltimore from spring training, uh, the day before opening day at Memorial Stadium, uh, they had a big rally down at the Inner Harbor, that little amphitheater in that, mm-hmm. that corner of the, of the Inner Harbor. And, uh, and the, the people were just nuts down there. They, they were so thrilled and cheering each Oriole player as he came off the bus and uh, came out on the uh, the, the, the the little amphitheater stage and uh, and I would just remember being in Boston before that I had done the Red Sox games and in 
Boston, the, the people had sort of a, a negative outlook about the Red Sox, even though they were usually very good, but uh, they always had this uh, fear of doom and gloom in Boston. We'll never beat the Yankees, and those Sox are going to break our heart and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and I remembered that, you know, in 1982, the Orioles had this great run, this rousing stretch run. Uh, they came from, what, 10 games behind, and by the last day of the season, they had tied the Milwaukee Brewers, which the, the Brewers had a, a great lineup, uh, you know, Harvey's wall bangers, and a great team, but, and yet the Orioles made this brilliant run, and then they lost that last game. Now, in Boston, that would have been, oh, I knew it. They never can win the big game, and so on and so forth. Uh, and, and in Baltimore, it was just the opposite. The, the people were just so uh, high on this Orioles team and how much they loved them, and, and it was so much uh, on display and so apparent that day. So that was my first real exposure to this interaction between Orioles fans and the team that they loved so much. And, uh, and it was just exciting to see. And uh, the team, you know, they didn't just go straight from start to finish right through the season. They, they had a stretch. They had two different seven-game losing streaks. Remember that, Stan? That yep, year? I sure <laughs> do. There was, a lot of, there was a lot of doom and gloom that surrounded that. I remember going into the little tiny little press room that they had where you could get a little dinner before a, a game at Memorial Stadium. And, and you could always get a crab cake in there as well. <laughs> and, and generally, the dinner might be uh, your crab cake and maybe a burger or a, a hot dog and, uh, and maybe a small little salad. There, there wasn't, it wasn't a real variety, but it was a little hole-in-the-wall place. And I went in there, and Edward Bennett Williams, the owner of the team, the great Washington attorney, he walked in and he, and he sat down with me. He, he asked me very politely, he said, you mind if I sit with you? I said, uh, <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah, I said, yeah. How much money do you want me to pay you to sit here with me? So, uh, <laughs> uh, and he, and they, they had been through this second seven-game losing streak. And he said, you know, I, I've never been more down about anything in my career than this losing streak. I mm. just can't figure it out. And I don't know how we're going to get out of this and what we need to do to be good and so on and so forth. And, and it was so amazing to me to, to hear this, this great, uh, successful a Washington attorney who was known as the man to see in Washington, yep. D.C., be so down about something like, like a baseball team mm. and the, the lack of success that they were having. And uh, so, uh, and then the team inevitably turned it around. And I, I did remind him of the history of uh, the Earl Weaver run teams and, and how they always seemed to be the very best at the very end. You know, they'd go on those legendary runs and that's exactly what happened. They, they had this game that, that is an unforgettable game in, in Orioles history where they came from behind in the ninth inning against the Toronto Blue Jays, whose bullpen was a little suspect. And Joe Altabelli, who had replaced Earl Weaver as manager, had used all of his pinch hitters and everything that he could think of to uh, get the team back into the game. And sure enough, they tied the game up. But in doing that, he had stripped his bench of all the players and he had to have his left field platoon play the infield. Uh, he, he gave Lowenstein and Renicky uh, their choice. Well, which one of you want to play second? Which one play, uh, will play third? And so, uh, and I think uh, maybe, uh, uh, and I probably have it backwards, but uh, Lowenstein played second and Renicky played third, whatever That's exactly it was. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and 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 also they didn't have anybody to catch, and Len Sakata, an infielder. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> He said, I can catch. He says, you caught? He says, yeah. 
So he put the equipment on, and he was so small in that equipment that they looked at him, and they're like, oh, my God, he looks like he's a little leaguer wearing big league equipment. And they told him, says, when you warm up the pitcher, do not throw the ball down to second base. Just <laughs> run out to the mound and hand in the ball. And Sakata laughed that off, said, that's ridiculous. I've got it strong on. And so he warmed him up, and he threw down to second base, and it went to second base on four bounces. <laughs> So the first Blue Jays hitter hit a home run, Cliff Johnson. Uh, uh, Tim Stoddard was in the game. And so now the Blue Jays are right back ahead. The next guy gets on base, and they cannot wait to steal against Sakata. And Tippy Martinez had come in from the bullpen with that runner on first. And Tippy had a bad pickoff. He he didn't care about it. He didn't want to make pickoff throws. Well, he made a pickoff throw and picked the guy off. What? Are you kidding me? Then the next guy hits an infield hit to, to Lowenstein. And, and he picks him off, and the next guy gets on base, yep. who was a base dealer named uh, Dave Collins, well, a guy who could steal 70 bases and often did. And these guys just could not wait to get going. <laughs> and Tippy, and they all, all the guys who were there describe it as Tippy, somehow coming up for the first time in his career with a, a brilliant block move. <laughs> <laughs> and he picked him off, too. And, uh, and the, the place just went nuts. It's the only time I've ever seen it. Three pickoffs at first base in the same inning. But now they were still down by a run, so Cal Ripken leads off in the bottom of the tent, and it was his birthday. And when his birthday, so what was that? Yep. must have been August 24th, yeah. Yep. And, and Cal hits a home run to tie the game just like that. And the stadium goes berserk again. Then they get another little rally going. They finally have a couple of men on, and Len Cicada comes up, and he hits a three-run homer to end the game, and the place is just delirious. And Jim Palmer, after the game, all the writers are down in the clubhouse, and it's kind of a raucous uh, scene in that clubhouse, as you can imagine. And Palmer says, I got a scouting report on Len Sakata as a catcher. Here it is. <laughs> Too small for the equipment. Weak arm. Hits with power. <laughs> That's great. And the Orioles went on from there, and they went, I don't know, 28-5 and five or whatever. And, and uh, under Al Sabelli, you know, Earl was – was gone, and, and even under Al Tabelli, that group, and it was Earl's group. Uh, Hank Peters, the GM, put it all together, but it was Earl's group. And uh, they had the, the great stretch run, and they ended up winning, what, 98, 99 games and playing the White Sox in the postseason. And even though they lost that first game to the White Sox, they came back and, and swept through them after that and, and won it all, beating the Phillies. And uh, it was just a, a kind of a dream season. And it was really the last hurrah for that that yep. group of guys. Yep. Hey, John, I got a quick question before we start talking about the upcoming series. Apropos to what was fueling the passion for Oriole baseball in 82-83, which was the demise of the Baltimore Colts, and then ultimately their leaving, that's what turned Baltimore into a great baseball town. The Oakland A's are probably, it looks to be, their last season in Oakland. Uh, that was your first job was broadcasting Oakland A's baseball games, first major league job. Your thoughts about what's happened there and what's transpired in Oakland? Well, uh, it's very a very sad story. I remember in um, the early 80s when the Levi Strauss people bought the athletics as a community-minded uh, corporation and uh, thinking that this would be good 
for Oakland and good for the Bay Area to make sure that the A's stay put. And, and they dressed up the stadium, and they, they changed a lot of things at the Coliseum. And at that time, the Coliseum, that was the ballpark. That was a great ballpark. Yep, great ballpark. It was, it was a, and, and they became a model for big league teams. You know, the Dodgers had always been the model for how to run your organization, how to do it, how to market, how to sell tickets, and uh, keep your ballpark in great shape and, and welcoming. Uh, and then the Coliseum became that ballpark. And the Levi Strauss people, uh, the Haas family, uh, were the ones who were in charge of the whole thing. And, and so they became the model. And they would draw 2.8, 2.9 yep. million yep. Uh, at the Coliseum. When, when that was, you know, it wasn't like there were a bunch of teams drawing 3 million fans, as uh, began to happen after Camden Yards opened, uh, where the Orioles were selling out every game. And I think that Coliseum was the good ballpark, and Candlestick Park was the wreck. Yep. And the Giants have been trying to get a new ballpark for years, and we're not succeeding. So it, it was sort of remarkable how the whole thing uh, came around uh, and the, the new ownership of the Giants from the, the 90s uh, had a plan to build their own ballpark and, and finance it themselves with the, the city being in, in charge of the, the, the surrounding infrastructure improvements, roads and you know, plumbing and electricity, all the things that a city does. And so they built the ballpark and, and a lot of ownership in baseball was against that saying, well, <laughs> it's not really going to work. It's not going to be possible. Number one. And uh, number two, <laughs> we don't want to have to do that when the time right. comes for us to get the new ballpark. Right. So uh, why don't you reconsider for God's sakes? But uh, anyway, they did it and, and it revolutionized baseball in San Francisco. Uh, and, and in much the same way as Camden Yards did in, in, in Baltimore, because that became a place everybody wanted to go. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I think that that was what was, you remember Dan Rodericks, the, the columnist and talk show host in Baltimore for many years, uh, when Memorial Stadium was closing, he talked about the philosopher and the, the phrase, a great good place. And everybody, you know, a community needed a great good place to become, became a gathering place where people, uh, saw each other and they were united and, and enjoyed themselves in, in a neighborhood could be a bar, maybe a great good place where you know people gathered and, and had, a, had fun with each other. And Memorial stadium was that, but then Camden yards became that on a much larger scale where uh, you couldn't even get a ticket to a game. And, and I'll never forget the mayor of San Francisco just had been elected Jordan and was invited to Baltimore by Kurt Schmoke. To, uh, to come see Camden Yards and see uh, the, what the whole scene was like. And he had him at City Hall and showed him the books and the, the tax reports and all this, how much money this was bringing in uh, to the, the coffers uh, because so many people came from out of town to, to Baltimore for these games. And then he said, we're going to walk to the game tonight because you have to see the effect on the city on, on a game night here in Baltimore. And, you know, they went through the city. There were people everywhere. And all these restaurants had the people out on the sidewalks and, and you know, maybe music being piped out there. Uh, and, and so the, the city was alive. He said, wow, how often does this happen? He says, well, every t- time there's a game. You know, they sell out every, every game. And the city is alive like that every night. So Frank Jordan saw the whole scene, saw the ballpark itself and what a, what a jewel it was and, and came back home and said, we have to have one of those here in San Francisco. 
And ultimately, it took the Giants' uh, uh, new ownership that saved the ball. Remember, they were sold and gone. They were going to St. Petersburg, Florida. Yep. And, yep. and they came in, uh, civic-minded people, and they, uh, they bought the ball club to keep it there. And then they devised this plan to build their own ballpark. And they made it work. So, uh, And that I saw it happen in Baltimore. And I, I was uh, so fortunate to be able to be there when Camden Yards first opened. And we saw the effect it had on on the whole city and everybody wanted to go see it and was, and people were proud of it in Baltimore. You know, the, the New York times architecture critics said that this is the greatest new building uh, in the history of baseball uh, architecture, uh, at least in the last you know, 60 years or whatever. And it will inform all future uh, new building in baseball architecture from now on. And he was absolutely right. Well, people were excited about that. And then the, the week that the stadium opened, the uh, Today Show came down, and they did their morning show from Camden Yards. And we're showing all the, the features of Camden Yards and the, the warehouse and right and the, the stadium club up in the, in the warehouse and all the different things that made it so cool at Camden Yards and Boog's Barbecue on Utah Street and the whole bit. And people were so excited. And, you know, they went from – trying to order tickets for when the Yankees came to town and when the Red Sox came to town to just, well, what's the first date I can get a ticket mm-hmm. to see anybody. <laughs> and, uh, and the, the tickets were just going so uh, hot and heavy that it, it became a hot ticket and everybody wanted to go there. So, and I, and I think that's uh, what the giants were able to do here. And, uh, and the A's uh, all of a sudden when Oracle park opened and it was called Pac bell park at that time. And, uh, then people thought, well, the Coliseum is, that's, that's passe. And that's, that's nothing exciting at all. And uh, so, so that, that perhaps is where it all changed. I'm not sure, but I think the, the A's ownership uh, got into that cycle of, of uh, we're poor. We're, we don't, we're a have not kind of a team. We can't afford to keep our stars. And for a long period of time from over many, many years, the, these great young players that they had developed in their farm system uh, were allowed to just go and either traded away before they became free agents or allowed to become free agents. And, uh, and for an A's fan, it was like, well, I get invested in this team and all these young players. And then they just walk away. And I, it's, it's hard for me to keep doing that. It's, uh, it's yeah. like hitting my, yeah. my own head against the wall. So I, for me, and that's just my opinion, but for me, that was a huge part of, uh, what has happened over there and, and, and sort of, you know, the, the ownership and they've had different ownerships in that time, uh, sort of uh, had a, a path on which they sat and, and that created that. He is the great John Miller. He is with us here on GCR as we get ready for Orioles Giants this weekend out in San Francisco. John, as we shift towards uh, this weekend, this series, the, 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 it's very rare that a, a first baseman is at the top of a lineup, um, but it's a unique connection for us as Lamont Wade, as a Baltimore kid, uh, went to the University of Maryland and is one of the nicest guys I've ever come across in this game. Just a really sweet kid. Um, was was a, a dynamic story, the late-night Lamont stuff the last couple of years, but how has he settled in to be such a quality, everyday player for this Giants team? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I was excited when he got here because he was from Baltimore. And I I wanted to meet him and find out what part of the city and who his favorite Orioles were and and all of that. And uh, so, and really, really a cool guy. I met his mom and dad his first year, a couple of years back. 
Uh, and he was a platoon guy. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the book on him was, hey, he really can't hit left-handed pitching, which I, I always remember asking, well, how do we know? He's, he's only faced like two left-handers in his career up till now. I mean, somewhere it seems like maybe they should find out if he actually could hit him or not. But, uh, uh, but that was the way he was uh, put in there. And, you know, he was in the minor leagues, and then they brought him up, and he had success right away when they brought him to the big leagues. And then they had a numbers thing. He was, you know, he was up for a couple of weeks and, and they sent him back when somebody came back from the injured list and whatnot. And then he was doing so well down there. They finally, they just couldn't send him back again. They brought it back. And the fans were, they were, went, uh, uh, they were apoplectic. They were like, wait a minute. He's been great. He's just what we need. You, you sent him back. Are you nuts? And uh, so they weren't sending him back again when they brought it, but it was cool because we had the same guy, uh, Brian Woods, that is our, our financial manager, uh, Brian, a, a, a Baltimore County guy. Hmm. And uh, uh, he's part of a company that uh, with, with Joe Guy that, that has this company that does that. And, and they're really good at it. So, you know, Lamont's a Baltimore guy. So they, they represent him as well. So, uh, and, and they told me a cool story. Brian told me a cool story that uh, they called him and said, you know, you've got that apartment up in Sacramento where the AAA team is. But you, you know, you're clearly you're not going to be sent back there, and and we think maybe you should let that apartment go. It's it's a wasted expense for you. And Lamont told him, he says, "No, I don't want to take anything for granted. Hmm. Uh, hmm. They they could uh, I could go cold, and they might send me back. Some some kind of a need might arise, and I think it's, it, it'd be bad for me to take something like that for granted. I need I need that uh, to, to to continue to spur me on to." to work hard and play hard and, and, and whatnot. So she refused to do it. And, uh, so I met his mom and dad that year. Uh, they'd come out, they had a special Lamont Wade shirt, you know, replica Jersey night at the ballpark, a giveaway. And, uh, uh, the place where we park after the pandemic is across the street from the ballpark by this hotel. And I saw his mom and dad come out of the hotel. It was a really cool scene one day at a, at a ball game. His mom, who's, uh, and, and, uh, Emily Wade is an athlete. Uh, her husband, Lamont Sr. They call Lamont Wade Jr., by the way, Monty, because Lamont is his dad. Hmm. Mm-hmm. He's Monty. But Mon- uh, uh, anyway, they came out of the hotel. But she was walking around the ball. She wanted to take it in with all the views and the, the, the bay views and bridge views and all that kind of stuff and really take it in. And she was out in right field when he came up. So she stopped touring around to watch his at bat. And he hit a home run into the bay that went right over her head. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> it was oh, kind of cool. cool. So they had a camera out there, and they, they, they captured her watching it go right over her head into the bay and getting excited and jumping up and down and, and, and waving her hands and just kind of celebrating out there. So I knew what she looked like as I'd seen that on TV. So they come walking out of this hotel while I'm uh, heading over to the ballpark. So I introduced myself to them, and uh, – and, uh, and, and I invited them up to the booth and to meet all the broadcasters and whatnot. And, and because they were Baltimore people and, and I've since uh, had, had lunch with them here in the city and shown them the, the city a little bit around town and, and just wonderful people. And, and she's an athlete, by the way, she's a, a, a champion ping pong player. Ah, and, uh, uh, and she's always looking for a, a table where she could have some uh, high caliber games. She's a, a champion in that uh, mid-Atlantic region back in, in, in Maryland. So uh, she's a competitor. So Lamont kind of gets that from his mom and dad, that uh, athleticism. And, but I asked him, I said, so you probably couldn't beat your mom in ping pong. I said, no, I would beat her. 
she's really good, but I'll, I'll bid her. You know, so hey, John, anyway, the uh, nice people. Hey, John, we've got we've got a book in a few minutes, but I did want to ask you something that that struck me. The San Francisco Giants, since the retirement of Buster Posey, have kind of struggled. Uh, and the Orioles, since bringing up Adley Rutschman, have kind of gone the other way. And I'm looking at that St. Louis Cardinal ball club with Yadier Molina retiring and the troubles they've had this year. Could you wax a little bit on the importance of how just how important a catcher can be to a team? Well, and you're talking about two guys who both may end up in the Hall of Fame. Probably so, will, yeah. Uh, there, there, there are guys who uh, uh, can be crucial guys uh, as, as catchers, and then there's guys who are that cut above. And, and for both of them, it went beyond. And Buster, I think, was overall a better hitter than, than, than Yadier. But, yeah. uh, and Yadier became a better hitter as time went on. He got better and better over the years, and he was a great clutch hitter, that's for sure. But, uh, uh, you know, for Buster, I think uh, the, the real thing about Buster was he came up in 2010 in late May. And that's when Willie Mays came up in 1951 as a rookie. And both of their respective teams were kind of, you know, not as good as ho- hoped for. And then they got much better after they, those players arrived. And Willie, as time went on, he saw a lot of himself in Buster. That's what I was focused on. Mm-hmm. And after the Giants won that World Series, uh, they, they asked permission from the Yankees and Mets if for the New York Writers' Dinner, where a, a lot of awards are given out for the you know, Rookie of the Year and MVP, and, and they also give out the, uh, the World Series Award, the Babe Ruth Award. And Buster had won the Rookie of the Year, and he had won the Babe Ruth Award. And they said, we, we want to bring our World Series trophy back to New York and meet with some of the fans. And Willie Mays is going to go to the school in the neighborhood where he lived when he first came up to the Giants up in Harlem, near the Polo Grounds. And then the Yankees and Mets very magnanimously said, oh, of course, that will be great. We'd love to see it happen. Well, Willie met with all the kids at the school. And then they were going to go down. There's a group in New York called the New York Giants Preservation Society old Giants fans, you know, baseball fans, who had, because the team was gone and left a void for them, they said, well, we're not going to become Yankee fans, for God's sakes. Uh, so, and they just kept meeting over the years, and then their families and, and children, offspring, whatnot. And that group exists to this day. Hmm. So they took Willie and, the, and Buster Posey and the trophy down for a meeting with the New York Giants Preservation Society. And in the drive down there from Harlem, Willie said, when Buster speaks, I want to interview him. Hmm. And then, of course, Willie Mays says that. They said, of course, absolutely, <laughs> you're on. And uh, because he saw uh, so much of himself in, in Buster Posey. And, and in that way, hmm. I think he predicted a, a good part of Buster's future because he was a leader. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he, he, he was not an experienced catcher. And I, Rutschman is probably way beyond Buster now when Buster first came in because Buster had just become a catcher. Not not just in his first year of college, but after he'd already been in college. Did not year. remember that. Did not remember that. So so he was still learning the position, but he was, as it turned out he was a pretty fast learner. Right. And yes. He came on the. the uh, he was great, and all those World Series championships, the three times they won the World Series, he was in there every inning of every one of those games. Yeah. 
And that was the key. Every pitcher on those staffs said, Buster is the key. And, and because those, especially the, the relief pitchers, were the difference for those Giants teams uh, versus all the teams they played in those postseasons. And they never lost a game out of that bullpen uh, you know, in, in all those, those runs and uh, that they had been ahead. They came from behind on occasion, but never blew a lead. And those relievers, it was a lot like those Yankees teams uh, in the late 90s, early uh, uh, 2000s uh, under Joe Torre. The, you know, Rivera, of course, was the great Rivera, but they never blew a lead. All those relievers were better in the postseason. And all of those Giants bullpenners, same thing, especially there were four who were there that whole time. Uh, always better in the postseason at, than they were in the regular season. And and Buster was the guy that uh, sort of shepherded those guys. So I think, I, I don't know how you, you know, they make efforts to try and quantify in these baseball numbers now how valuable a catcher is in that regard. And it's hard to, to really do it in any kind of a meaningful way. But uh, but I think as good as he was as a hitter, uh, that was the you know, the number one value for Buster Posey. And that's where they miss him. And, and it was the same thing for Yadier Molina. And I think what the Cardinals are, are battling with right now. And, and because uh, Wilson Contreras was such a huge disappointment, as good a hitter as he is, and such a huge drop down from Yadier, that, uh, that's been a real problem for the Cardinals. And the, and the Giants, uh, are they're hoping now they have a young catcher uh, named Patrick Bailey. And uh, whether he's going to be as good as Rutschman, who knows? Because it looks like Rutschman is going to be a great player for a long time to come. But Bailey's only been here for a couple of weeks, and he's made a huge difference. Every pitcher wants to pitch to him. And, uh, and, and I think that they're, they're getting something. They're getting a vision that maybe he's got some of those same qualities of, of Buster. We'll see as time goes on. We're rooting for there to be a similar Adley Rutschman winning three World Series, but I think we'll settle for one. <laughs> we'll settle for just getting one here in Baltimore because it has, it has been 40 years. Um, John Miller, it, it's always such a pleasure and a thrill to spend time with you, my friend. Great I, to hear your I, voice, I wish we could John. do this for three hours, um, but hopefully we'll be able to do it again real soon. Enjoy this series this weekend. Thank you for taking the time to spend with us this morning. Well, I am looking forward to it, and uh, I just talked with uh, Joe Angel. The uh, longtime voice of the Orioles, and uh, uh, so uh, I was hoping to see him. He can't be here because he's got a, 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 some graduations and parties to to go to out of town in the family. But uh, uh, anyway, he he definitely has his eyes on this series too, and uh, and it's so fun because the the teams, their uniforms, there's a lot of similarities yeah. in the colors <laughs> yeah. and and whatnot. So uh, I'll never forget my first year, my first spring training broadcast. A guy number eight came to the plate for the Giants in his road <laughs> uniform. The Giants were on the road. And I remember thinking, wow, Buster's, what happened? He looked like he's put on some weight. <laughs> and, uh, and then I realized, oh, this is the Giants. The, that's, that's a catcher, Damon Berryhill, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but he was wearing number eight and with the black and orange, and I, was, I, I, I couldn't get it out of my head that, what, why is Cal? He, he must have put on 25 pounds, for God's sake. But uh, anyway, the, uh, uh, so anyway, it'll be fun for me, that's for sure, personally. And I'm looking forward to because this Oriole team looks like it's got a lot of special things about it. So I'm, I'm sorry that Mullins is not going to play but, yeah. uh, uh, because I'm anxious to see him. But uh, I am uh, really excited to see uh, uh, Rutschman and, and the rest of these guys. Santander, I can't wait to just say that name. But, and Mountcastle, you know, sounds, uh, sounds like you've got uh, some you know, uh, European royalty in the lineup here. With uh, Mountcastle, yes, uh, Sir Sir Ryan Mountcastle. And, uh, anyway, 
Sounds like fun. It's going to be a fun weekend, and and I think the uh, I hope that the the Orioles have a have a great year. Although I, I'm not hoping a great weekend for them uh, personally, but uh, I hope they have a great season. John, please say hello to your wife. She was one of my favorite uh, people. Well, she's uh, she just walked in the room, and uh, she actually she and and my kids know you way better than me because you had your tickets right behind them uh-huh. behind home play the Camden Yards for year after year after year. And, yep. uh, so Until I couldn't afford <laughs> I them. I hardly anymore. knew you at all compared to, uh, compared to my wife and, right. and, and, and kids. Right. So, uh, Great anyway. to hear your voice, Sean. Talk to you soon. All right. Likewise. All the best. That's the legendary John Miller with us here on GCR. Appreciate him Great. taking the time. And yes, when John Miller talks, you just get out of the way and, let him tell his stories, and you're grateful for the opportunity to listen to John Miller tell his stories, and I greatly appreciate that. And as I, uh, I, I kind of called the shot beforehand, I said, Stan was like, well, here's what I was thinking about. I said, Stan, I don't think you're going to have any problem. <laughs> I think the only problem we're going to have is that we had another guest scheduled for yeah. 1130 this morning. Yeah. I think that's the only issue we're going to have. We squeezed it. We got pretty with, close. Uh, with John Threaded Miller. that needle. Uh, but, man. He's uh, great. He's the best. There's no question about that. Really appreciate Glenn, it. Glenn, that was my first year on the air in 1983. Was it really? Yeah. It was my first year doing Full real, like, real, real thing. And and if you had told me then at the in October of 1983, kid, yeah. enjoy right. this one because you're not going to win another one. I mean, the Orioles look like certainty. No question. That they would have won a, a World Series in the next five to ten years after that. Never happened. Hopefully, hopefully, we're going to get one before here in the I next. Go. Yes, correct. Before I go. Out the door. Hopefully that's the case. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, we go from uh, you know talking about legends to a brand new sports team that has come to our area and a man who's a part of that that is definitely a legend. And I, Dave Johnson, I'm going to apologize that we're running a little bit late this morning. I think you'll understand when we tell you that we had uh, John Miller join us at 11 this morning, and at 11.30 we were still struggling to get him off the phone. I imagine you can understand why we were willing to let John go a couple extra minutes with us. Oh, I, I can definitely understand that, and I'm just, just so appreciative of, of the time because it, it, and, and I know both of you guys so well. Uh, and, and you, you know, this is the Annapolis Blues. It's just a, it's a great community story, and I appreciate as we spread the word because people are still finding out about it. So yep. we're going to be playing at a place that, Everybody knows Navy Marine Corps Stadium. And if you're looking for something to do with a family that doesn't cost a lot, uh, why not have a night out in Annapolis? So that's, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> uh, J- Dave, let's get into it, right? Because to your point, I do still think there are a lot of people that aren't familiar with who the Annapolis Blues are and, and what they are and anything like that. So can you walk us through all of it? How did we get to this point? where coming up this weekend, there's going to be professional soccer being played at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Well, uh, Michael Hitchcock has, has just got a, a great organization that, that uh, quite frankly, picks up markets a, across the country to, to provide uh, you know, affordable, uh, fun entertainment at, the, at, at this level. And, and Annapolis was a market, and I've always said this, that it, it's a perfect market and it fits into the Annapolis you know, schedule. It's, it's, it's once a week. You know, we love, we have baseball, we can go to the Bowie Bay Sox, but 
you know, why not have the, the soccer entertainment in Annapolis? So Kyle Beckerman, who went to yep. my high school, Rundle High School, a U.S. national team player, Alex Yee, other local people got involved in, in the ownership group, and we went about organically uh, building a club. And, and part of that formula uh, was, let's, let, this, is, this is Annapolis's team. This is the town's team. We want supporters to feel like this is their team. So we offered a $100 season ticket, uh, and if you bought before Christmas, uh, you've got a jersey with that, just like the players are going to be wearing, uh, and, and, a, and a scarf. And part of the reason we did that was we want people to, to feel it, feel the passion. It's, it's just, you know, you put that jersey on, suddenly you're part of the team. We want you part of the team. And so when we had our first preseason game, and we had about 4,000 at Navy Marine Corps Stadium, and people were looking at 2,000 jerseys and say, wait a minute, I, I want to get one of those jerseys. And I want to be a part of the team. And, and that's, that's what we're building. It's, it's, it's beyond my wildest dreams how that first season game went. Uh, guys, and I think this is why we love sports. Yeah, we, we're into winning and losing and titles. But doggone it, it's, it's two hours where the biggest concern you have is, did I get an autograph or maybe – you know, I, I got a T-shirt thrown to me or whatever. That's, that's what, to me, makes sports. Uh, it's unscripted. It's emotional. And, and, and this is what we're bringing to the Annapolis Blues. And the venue, uh, and, and again, this is, I love when things just are created organically. Uh, it, it's a great parking lot, as, as you know, maybe Marine Corps Stadium. Uh, and so well, already the first preseason game, we, we're having tailgating. So it's going to be a... Uh, same thing coming up Saturday. People are going to get, be getting there at 3 o'clock early, you know, the, the, the cookout. You know, you got pickup soccer games going with kids in the parking lot. Uh, it, it, you know, it's fun. It's fun. And that's that's all it, it's meant to be about. Uh, that's what we're talking about. We're not uh, saying we're going to – you're going to have World Cup soccer come to Annapolis uh, on Saturday. What you're going to have is World Cup fun. Hey, Dave, it's great to hear your voice. And – uh uh, it's been a while, and I know soccer has been a passion of yours for a long, long time. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the ownership of this group that came together? And it's really ironic. I interviewed Terry Hazeltine last night, and the subject of your team came up. It was very interesting, and then I come in today, and we have you on. Well, and again, you know, as you and uh, Stan, you and I have known each other, well, dare I say, 40 years, and I still remember when you came on at WFBR, and it was your, and it was your show and your concept and, and the, the passion that you brought uh, uh, to, to the baseball uh, uh, talk. And, and so uh, when you have passions, it's important to put your, your, your money, you know, where your mouth is, <laughs> so to speak, to use an old phrase. But, but and, it's, and it's why, and I'm not just blowing smoke at, at you, but there's, there's no other situation like Stan the Fan in this country with, with Press Fox and the, the quality of, of coverage of all things. You know, we live in a world now where sometimes it's only the NFL gets covered. And I understand the NFL is the biggest thing. But yep. you know what? There's, there's, there's so many things going on that, that are, are worthwhile, that are great athletic endeavors, that are, that are great fan entertainment, whether it's college sports too, et cetera. So you can, you can go right down the list, but this, this is something that I always uh, believed in. I believed 
in, in soccer in this country. You were great about, uh, you know, getting in the, I still remember with, with the blast and WFBR and the coverage you provided. And, and this is why people listen uh, to stay in the fan because he's the first to tell you what he knows and what he doesn't know. And so when he did those soccer shows, he got people that, that, that knew more. Uh, about soccer. Yep. Now probably Stan knows more about soccer than I do. No, because no, I no, he no, no, he doesn't. I get most so, of my so soccer the, knowledge, Dave, from Ted Lasso. I get most of my <laughs> soccer knowledge. Well, but but and again, what this is, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm, it sounds like I'm throwing bouquets because I'm, I'm grateful to be on the talk, and, and I am grateful to be on the talk. But I think it's important that people know, you know, this is community stuff. This is yep. this is our team. And when I say Annapolis, I mean, you know, these are Marylanders that, uh, you know, our first player uh, that we, we signed and, and, you know, which is from Forest Hill, which, uh, which is up in, in, in Hartford County. And you can go on our website and, and check out, you know, all the, you know, whether they played for Baltimore Armor USA or our Pipeline Soccer Club, my good friend Santino Quaranta and, and Stan yeah. and Glenn, you know, the Quaranta yeah, family. And very well. Now, you know, they're doing a good job with promoting soccer. So, Hey, this this has given these young kids a platform, and and the great thing about the game of soccer is that that first preseason game, and I as I sat there and I thought, it, I don't care what level, when you score a goal from 18 yards out that that you know curls in the upper 90, it looks like the same goal David Beckham scores, if you know what I'm saying. In other words, a goal is still can still be a beautiful thing. It doesn't matter what it what at any level. It, now, you know, obviously in the game, our preseason game, uh, it wasn't David Beckham and it wasn't Man United and he wasn't scoring against one of the top teams in England. But it, the level of competition still today with the way these kids are playing, and I say kids, young men, uh, it, it's an entertaining brand. And this is why um, I am so excited because things are happening and Stan knows this better than anyone. And he knows uh, the, the 80s and the struggles, and we didn't even have an outdoor professional league. My God, we have a World Cup coming uh, uh, to, to this country in 2026, and my God, Baltimore should have been one of the host cities, but it's still going to be within our region. And Baltimore has always uh, been a great, not good, a great soccer city. This goes back to my friend Sonny Askew and the people that played in Highland Town in the parks. In, in Baltimore in the 70s, Sonny Askew was one of the great first Americans. He was playing next to Johan Cruyff in the NESL. And, and so, you know, Baltimore is a great soccer town. And we want you to come down to Annapolis. And you're going to see Baltimore kids playing, Maryland kids playing. Again, to me, that's just a great thing. And we're going to be playing against the Maryland team on Saturday, Frederick. So, you know, Maryland, sports, Annapolis, uh, you know, I think it's a pretty good combination. Home opener is tomorrow night, 7 o'clock at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. You can find out more at AnnapolisBlues.com. As you can tell, Dave Johnson, very passionate about professional soccer coming to Annapolis. He's with us here on GCR. Um, Dave, here's my important question because I can't make it tomorrow night, but I am going to bring my two sons out. Is there is there a different ticket package that I can buy to be able to sit next to you so that when a goal is scored, they can hear you say it's in the net. Is that is that possible that we can make that ticket package happen? You know what? That's a great idea. I got to get on that. We got to get on that, and I'll have to. Uh, we have to have the that uh, ticket package. Maybe maybe we can do a whole live Glenn Clark, uh, Clark radio and have stand the fan down, and, and the next thing you know, uh, we just blow the whole thing out. So we we got to. 
we got to write it down. But anybody listening, and, and this, this uh, I, I do believe in what we're doing, but I'll throw my email out there. It's davidannapolisblues.com. You can reach out to me if you have questions, if you have anything. I, I respond to all emails, and this, this is what it's – we've had – you know, we keep having these events. We're not just doing game days where we get together with fans. We want to, uh, uh, you know, we're just fans too. We're just, but this is our club. This is, you know, it's not a, a billion-dollar corporation that, that owns the Annapolis Blues. It, it's, a, it's a bunch of people that have gotten together and said, you know what, we're going to have family fun entertainment, uh, uh, and we're going to have a lot of fun tailgating. It's just going to be, you know, look, we only have five home games. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a small schedule. But over the next month, check it out at AnnapolisBlues.com. You can come to a game, and, and uh, you'll have fun. And if you don't, uh, send me an email at David Annapolis Blues, and I'll take you out to dinner and put it on Stand the Fans tab, and we'll sort everything out. <laughs> uh, at Dave J Sports on Twitter is how you follow him. Dave Johnson, really excited to get down and see the Blues for sure. Hey, Dave, I'm going to reach out to you this week to try and get you on one of my Zooms with Gary Stein. No, uh, please, please do. And again, that uh, there's no other place, no other. And I travel uh, with my NBA gig. Uh, Baltimore, this whole area is so blessed to, to have what you do uh, because the interviews are, 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 are current, but then there's, uh, you know, historical and the uh, and whether it's, I don't know why I'm thinking, you had Ross Grimsley on once. Right, right. Ross is my co-host. Oh, yeah. Ross is my co-host on Mondays, but Gary and I do more a newsmaker Zoom okay. on Thursdays, and I'll reach out to you shortly. Perfect, perfect. Look forward to that. Look forward to that. Looking forward to reconnecting. And thanks for the time. And boy, uh, I'm going to write this down. Uh, June second, I actually followed John Miller. So I hope yeah. people are still listening. Not oh, there are plenty of people. I think that was a pretty good lead-in too. By the way, Dave Johnson, really <laughs> yeah. appreciate it, man. Thank you for spending some time with us this morning. All right, all the best, guys. It's Dave Johnson, uh, of course, uh, local broadcast, as he pointed out, Wizards and D.C. United over the years, WTOP down in D.C., uh, very much a part of the fabric of uh, that community. And I think he actually lives up here, which is the ironic part. Appreciate him taking the time for us. Um, Stan, I know you've got to head out in I've a few I've got to duck out. i got a procedure I'm going to have done. They're installing some kind of... I want you to know I support you in your transition. I just want you to know that. <laughs> I don't know if you've decided what it is that you're going with yet, if it's going to be like Stephanie, the fan Charles, moving forward. I just very, want you to know very funny. how Touché. supportive I am. Touche. All right. Um, I'll see you next Friday but, uh, if I meantime, survive. Yeah, correct. Uh, Monday night, you guys are back. Monday night, it's 4 o'clock. Luke and I will be doing okay. it because I'm. Uh, what, what's my reason? What's my reason? Oh, the Orioles are off on Monday. I've I don't got know something the... I've got to do. Okay. Uh, Monday Monday evening, I got something I've got to do. Next Thursday, Pat Scary's going to be cool. on. Cool. Of course, Towson basketball right. coach next Thursday night. Uh, always good to see you, my friend. Thanks for coming in and spending the time with us. Thank you for the donuts, the donuts as well. Right. That was very thoughtful of you. Right. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. This is the great Stan the Fan, Charles. Chief Grand Poobah at Stan the Fan on Twitter is how you follow him. Boy, Dave Johnson really remembers my career. I, he, oh, he's man. a big Stan the Fan. He's a Stan the Fan fan. Man. Who knew? Correct. <laughs> Love Dave Johnson. All right. Uh, we'll come back in. We will start putting the finishing touches on a Friday edition of the program. Tidbit, tubular, that's all on the way. Uh, it's Glenn Clark Radio.
Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to birdlandsports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite mm. Starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available daily Day and night, it's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know what's on Grindr or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, thanks again to both John Miller and Dave Johnson. Pretty decent hour of programming here on GCR. And thanks to Stan for not getting in the way. Kidding. I love you. <laughs> love you. Appreciate you. Just wanted thanks, to get Dave. that in on him. Uh, winding down for hour number two and uh, not the week here on GCR. If you've not picked up this print issue of Pressbox, you only have a few more days in order to go get it. You see that illustration of Jackson Holiday on the cover. It dives into, yes, yes. By the lovely and talented John Panisi. Thank you, sir. That is available only for about two more weeks, so get over to your neighborhood Royal Farms, wherever it is that you find Pressbox throughout the city, the region, or you can read it at PressBoxOnline.com, but it's only available in print for another two weeks, so make sure you get out there this weekend and pick it up before it is gone. Uh, I was reminded that we didn't do fighting words yesterday, but you and I kind of talked earlier yeah, in the week. It it, there's not a lot going not on. Really. Um, the news yesterday related to Javante Davis. I mean, it's no. Nah, I mean, we, we just talk about it. Just cannot get out of his way. Like he just cannot get out of his own way. So he he violated already. Like uh, again, I guess. Yeah, so he had a th- he was given a three month home detention. Okay. House arrest, and apparently violated it, and and it had like just started, right? Well, I think he was like almost a month into it, three okay. months. So okay. now he's got to go to jail, and it's jeez. Look, man, you know, like I don't feel bad for the guy. Like it's just so insanely stupid, and I just I I talk about this constantly with Gervonta, 
And when we talked to Calvin Ford a couple weeks ago, I said, Look, can he just get – I worry that he thrives in chaos. And I think, especially in this city, we know people that, that that's just – chaos is their normal. And that like their ability to function almost has to be surrounded by chaos. And I worry that that's just who Gervonta Davis is. And for as talented as he is as a boxer, and that's you know unquestionable, you worry that eternally his his greatest opponent will always be himself. And you know th- this alone is not the end of the world. This is not you know another significant charge of of something awful or anything along those lines. But it's just so dumb and unnecessary that you can only shake your head. Um, you know. Again, it's if it's three months, he gets through it, and then he's able to get back and get back to training and boxing, and you know he can work out while he's in jail. Just so incredibly dumb. Yeah, disappointing, and yeah, just not. I guess. Yep. Kind of a damper for what was already a slow week for fighting words. Um, so. And you didn't you, you didn't watch the Ultimate Fighter. You I said. didn't watch the Ultimate Fighter yet. I Do guess we even I'll check know it out. when the fight is going to be for so Chandler and uh, Connor? No, that is not uh, so. that has not uh, been been kind of. Do we know that he's yet. back in uh, USADA? Do we know that he is? Started? I no, I don't think we do actually. Because he's got to be in for let's six see, months, let's right? See, like let's you, see here. You've got to. He's got to test clean for six months in order to be able to fight. And if we don't know that he's in, then I mean I mean okay, so apparently he was vowing that he it's gonna be the greatest return in combat sports. Okay, that's not that's not on, a thing. on the other that, night. The I, other I, night I mean I need to know the facts of this. Yes. Yeah, and the facts like are... the facts are they started this show and they like to try to end the show with a big event that would include the final fight for the <laughs> ultimate fighter and <laughs> this fight. Looks like they're trying to pencil in sometime in December. For for the so UFC that fight, would sound like so it sound like he is either just getting into yeah, USADA or or has or, has, or still hasn't. So and he would need to get in soon. Yeah, he would need to get we're in talking about June second. Right, correct for that to be the case. Um, just absurd. Yes. And then what is the fight this weekend? Uh, the fight this weekend it's it's Kai Car France and uh, and uh, Amir Albazi. So it is a a flyweight. Yes, flyweight one twenty five. Um, Kai Car France already lost to Brandon Moreno, who's the current flyweight champ. Um, but and I think he should win again. I mean, Albazi's in. Is he undefeated or he has one loss? So like that's it's, there's a little bit of a draw there. The flyweights are typically pretty exciting just because these guys, you know, are kind of more talented than mm-hmm. these heavy than like heavyweights that you see. Just because like unless it's you know the top top heavyweights, these guys are a lot more fun to watch just because they can grapple, they can wrestle, they can they okay. know how to strike. Um, but otherwise, I mean, Jim Miller's fighting this weekend. And uh, otherwise, oh, Jim Miller still fought. Oh, yeah. Honestly, because well, he's How gonna. Old he's is Jim gonna be, Miller. He now? is. Oh, I, I, I want to say thirty-eight, but that almost he's seems too be. young. Yeah, because right. he, he he wants to be. He wants to fight on UFC one hundred, UFC two hundred. So he's already done both of those, uh, okay. and he wants to fight on three hundred, which would probably be next time, like Jim next Miller July. Thirty-nine. Jim Miller April. was born uh, seven days before I was. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, August thirtieth, uh, nineteen eighty-three. That can be the 6th. that can be the headline when you guys. Start doing your right, celebrity right, uh, boxing exact, match. Yeah, I don't think that one's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, Jim Miller will be 40 um, in August. And when would, when would 300 be? That would probably be next, sometime next between next April and June, I would okay. think. That's so he's wild. got about another year. I was uh, always into Jim Miller. He also, yeah. for whatever reason, was like a regular. Like, so really? when we used to When we used to do I, – I had a friend. I actually had two different friends who ran UFC PR over the years. Mm. 
um, one who went from working for the Steelers, so we always knew him from the Steelers to working with UFC, and then one who um, now works for the Philadelphia 76ers who ran UFC PR. And so for years, because I was you know very friendly with these mm-hmm. guys, and, and also we had this relationship with John Jones, they would be coming in studio with them. They'd be hanging, and they would just con- before every fight call and be like, "Hey, can you put somebody on this week?" And you know, legitimate like you know, Raya Faber, and, like you know, real fighters yeah. constantly. But I also remember Jim Miller being somebody they regularly were like, "Dude, would you put Jim Miller on again?" And we we're like, "That eh, sure, why not?" Like, and I want to say there was a day where we had both Jim Miller and quarterback Jim Miller on the same show. If I remember correctly, that was a thing that occurred. That's a good. That's a good show. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's random as hell. A boo card number Gamenov. So this is Habib's first cousin also fighting. Okay, um, and Andre Arlovsky. We'll also be fighting. He's still fighting too. I He's forty four. I had no idea. He that is forty four. Um, wasn't there a cool? A wasn't there a cool rap song that involved Andre Arlovsky? Was there Andre Arlovsky? Because didn't he come out to it? Uh, I remember. He, like maybe, the, maybe the hook was just like Andre Arlovsky, something like that. Man, um, there are a couple of uh, boxing cards this weekend on uh, the zone. You get uh, Clarissa, Clarissa Shields, Shields and I, Marciela Cornejo. I don't know anything about her, but it's, you know, watch Clarissa Shields yes. essentially is what that I assume is. And then the Adrian Broner fight is on pay-per-view, but it's I didn't realize how low rent Don King was now. Like, make whatever joke you want to make about that, but I didn't realize, like, I Adrian Broner is fighting on, like, pay-per-view, but I was trying to figure out, is it like Showtime pay-per-view? Is it HBO pay-per-view? It's just labeled as pay-per-view. Adrian Broner versus something called Bill Hutchinson. Bill Hutchinson, yes. That It says fight.tv pay-per-view in the okay. UK. Okay, all right. Fight TV is a real thing. Yeah. That's true. Um, and if you go to Don King's website, donking.com, it has the fight being listed as next Friday. Yes. Yeah, so... Then it would so this, so it's not this week. Well, but everybody else has it listed as oh, it said like tonight? this week, yeah, or so, tomorrow. Okay, I don't know. What I, well, happened the one here. I'm looking at box live as well, and they it says they've next got week. it is next Friday. All right, yes. maybe it got moved to next Friday, and there are a few people. So hopefully everyone's okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Everyone's healthy. I don't know. Uh, all right, so we don't have to we don't have to worry about that. But Adrian Broner is then fighting next week, I yes. guess. Yeah, so next I, fighting words could be a big one. Adrian Broner, we got UFC 289. Uh, isn't is there, uh, doesn't Teofimo Lopez fight uh, next week too? Yes, he? yes he does. Correct. So right. maybe a little, maybe a few more things hopefully to All talk right. about All next right. get, week. Get the open taken care of. Yes. Get yeah, gotta, that figured gotta out. Gotta get a voice out there. All right. Um, we good? Can we just wrap up at a normal time today? That'd be yeah. great. Yeah. Tidbit is brought to you today by A.J. Michaels. Expert and award winning. A.J. Michaels. Heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is here. New rebates and discounts are available. More at AJMichaels.com. So, obviously, the Heat did not play very well. Two free throws in the entire game. It is the fewest in an NBA playoff game in the history of the NBA. Two free throws in the entire game. So. Not ideal. No. I mean, to no. say the least, not ideal. They also shot, this is according to Second Spectrum. I, I do think that Stan's like, question about whether or not you know, they're adjusting to the elevator. It's been pointed out by many people that the Nuggets have not lost at home during these playoffs. Charles Barkley was very dismissive of um, the advantage that they have at home. I think the, the quote was like, I don't see any banners up there. <laughs> but I do think that we can all acknowledge there's, there's probably something real to it. And 
if you can buy into the idea that you give them because they're doing the weird bit where there's three days between games because they want to play on Sunday night for the it's weird that they're obsessed with Sunday night this week and then if the series were to go on they wouldn't be playing on Sunday night next weekend. Oh. It's odd that they're so desirous of Sunday night. Sunday night does seem like a good. Well, it's night. always a good yeah. TV night, and and so I get it. But they're forcing the third a third day off, a, a three days between the games, and then they're turning around to do like Wednesday, Friday, Monday if the series continues. Let me double check on this. Um, it's such so a bizarre. Skipping, yeah, that is bizarre. Dude, it's so bizarre. Like the okay, so yes, it would be Wednesday, Friday, Monday. If uh, if they need uh, Monday, no, no, no. yeah, I mean I hear you, I hear you. Anyway, uh, so second spectrum has a stat. It's called wide open threes. So that when the closest defender is six feet away, uh, the Heat had sixteen of these shots. They went five for sixteen on wide open threes. Thirty one percent. They shot nearly fifty percent in the in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Celtics on wide open threes. Okay, so that'll okay. have to change. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, yeah, Hi- Haywood Highsmith can't be the only guy. Come on, Heat. But Got yes, it. the the question is whether or not they adjust with a couple more days in the altitude, mm-hmm. practicing in the altitude, and if that had an impact, you know, if it was just the the, the emotions of a Game 7, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just think that flatly the Nuggets are a much better, better team. team. Yeah. Jokic did become, despite what Glenn tells you, he had a great game last night. Jokic is no, the no, second no. player. He had a totally... The the standard for Nikola Jokic is so out of he control. He had a triple-double. I understand that. You're missing the point that I'm making. You're purposely trying to make it seem like I'm disparaging Nikola Jokic, which I'm not doing. I'm saying the standard for him is so absurdly high. Let the team in scoring. All right, we're not going to be able to have a conversation. You're just obsessed with the idea that I am disparaging Nikola Jokic. What I'm really doing is the exact opposite, which is that he's so effing good (laughs) that when he has a 27-point game, you're sort of like, eh, you know. You were let down by him? Not let down, just it's by his standards, not even as – like that's the concerning part to me for Miami is that that's probably about as much as you're going to be able to keep Nikola Jokic in check. You're probably yeah. not going to be able to limit him to anything more than that, and you were never really in the game. That's concerning. He became the second player to ever have a triple-double in his NBA Finals debut. He joined this New Jersey mm. net – Jason Kidd? Jason Kidd in 2002 against the Lakers in his finals debut. Triple they, did, uh, they did not win a game in that series. Also became the second player in his finals debut to lead the team in, in, out, in to lead the team in points and assists in his finals debut. He joins Magic Johnson. Not Magic. Steph Curry. 1991. 1991. Finals debut for I, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. I'm Michael surprised Jordan. that he led the team in assists. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. That is surprising. So Jokic joins those two as the only player to ever do that. Dusty Baker moved into eighth last night in managerial wins all time. Okay. With two thousand sorry, I clicked out of it. Two thousand and one hundred twenty six after the Astros win over the Angels. Do you think you can do you know who has the most wins by manager all time? That's a great question. It is a great question. Um that I've never really thought about. I'll say God, it's, it's a little tough, yeah. Uh, how about Larusa? Tony Larusa is second all time in managerial wins. Joe Torre. Joe Torre is fifth all time in managerial wins. Sparky Anderson. Sparky Anderson sixth. Casey Stengel. Casey Stengel not in the top eight. Uh, he is thirteenth. Nineteen hundred wins. 
I, okay, so is it just, it's very old, is that? Yeah. Connie Mack. Connie Mack, okay. number one, 3,731. I just don't have the context and, for, like, yeah. how long Connie Mack managed. You know, I know he, he was a great manager, but I don't have any of that context. Do you want to do, let's see, eh, I won't do the Garrett Cole one. Let's do active managerial wins, then. Active managerial we, wins. I have, I have the top ten in front of me. Um, see if you can name the top ten, then. Top ten active. Active managers. All right. So, um, so Dusty is one. Right. That makes sense. So, uh, so I need nine more. Terry Francona? Terry Francona is third, 1897. Um, uh, Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy is second, 2036. kind of forgot that he came out of retirement. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's only like 92 behind Baker. So Now this is wins. where it gets interesting because I don't know that – like it's not a lot of guys with a ton of experience. Mm-hmm. At, uh, Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin is fifth. Okay. So you're you missing. Jumped over the guy that was fourth. You should know the guy that's fourth though. Oh, Buck. Yeah. Buck Showalter. Right. Sixteen seventy nine, fourteen fifty nine for Bob Melvin in San Diego. Um. God. I I I feel like at this point now it's where you could start going to guys that like just aren't particularly legendary they just um dave roberts dave roberts is on this list eighth okay dodgers 685 wins yeah, not really a legendary yeah. just kind of been around long enough uh aaron boone aaron boone is not in the top 10 yet okay how about get a little tougher yeah how about AJ Hinch. AJ Hinch is on the list, seventh. Currently with the Tigers, seven hundred thirty-eight managerial wins for him. How about Bud Black? Bud Black currently with the Rockies had what like eight years with the Padres, uh, one thousand ninety wins for Bud Black. Alex Cora. Alex Cora not in okay. the top ten. Snicker. Not Snicker. Just I, just, a little, I mean, yeah, yeah I get I the tenure is that right, yeah. but it, I, it, I, I'm guessing this is the difference in a year or two with some of these guys because mm. there's not a whole lot of other managers that I, unless I'm forgetting so, somebody. Yeah, two more, and they're on. Okay, I'm easy. Trying to, yeah, yeah, don't, I'm trying to, don't. Dave Martinez. Not Dave Martinez. Uh, Craig Council. Craig Council is tenth. Six hundred forty-three wins. Number nine, American League manager. American League manager. Uh, all right. Let me. I gotta go team by team, right? Hyde. <laughs> I said Cora. Boone. Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash. Okay. Six hundred seventy-nine. So I had, I had so a pen in my mouth. I'm sorry, yeah. Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash. Yes. There's the top ten. Well done. All right. Very good. I mean, it's easier because you're not having to go with all time. Like you're yeah. you're just working with active managers. Then the, the, it was gonna get really bad if you told me like, hey, who's the manager of the Cincinnati Reds right, right now? And I'd be like, I don't know that I know that. Who is the manager of the Cincinnati Reds right now? Actually, excellent question. I genuinely don't know. Try to think about other teams that David I, Bell. David Bell. Oh, David Bell. Yeah, yeah, David Bell is the manager of the Cincinnati Reds. Is there another he team? He likes to get ejected. Hang on a second. Can I, I'm now I'm trying to think of like a name of the managers all the for all the teams. All right. So we we did this. Brandon Hyde, Alex Cora, Boone, uh, Kevin Cash, 
Uh, and that, that that weirdo Schneider who didn't know the, right. the, the rules were of baseball. <laughs> uh, oh, the Chicago guy. I know it's the new guy. Uh, oh, yeah. He's got that name. What's his that... name? Oh, Jesus. Just tell me. What's his name? Um, well, it's Pedro uh, oh, Griefel. Griefel, yeah. thank you. Francona, Hinch. Um, oh, Qu- 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 Quattro or whatever is the guy in Kansas City, right? Quattaro or something like that. Matt Quattraro. Quattraro. Minnesota. Oh, yeah, Minnesota. I should know this. It's not. (laughs) You should know it, but I mean, it's kind of random. (laughs) All right, tell me. Rocco Baldelli. Oh, damn it. I did know. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. All right. (laughs) This isn't going well. Oakland A's? (laughs) Former player. Young. young, uh, No chance. No chance. Mark Kotze. Oh, it's Mark Kotze. Yeah, Mark Kotze. I didn't know that. Uh, the Angels are Nevin. N- yes. Right, Wait. because he took over when they got rid of Madden. Yes, yeah. Phil Correct. Mm-hmm. He stuck around with him. Where's Tyler Nevin? Uh, Detroit. Detroit. I yeah, Detroit system. Right. Yeah. Um. So Houston, of course, is Baker. Seattle is Service, mm-hmm. right? And Scott Texas Service. is Britt Bochy. Mm-hmm. Atlanta Snicker. Uh, Miami. Oh God, who's Another the manager former in player, Miami? <laughs> like kind of recent, like kind of like Kotze, infielder, and like also kind of random. Yeah, I don't know who is it. It is Skip Schumacher. Son of a bitch. All right, Buck. Buck. Rob Thompson in Philly. Yes. Washington is Dave Martinez. Mm-hmm. The Cubs are David Ross. Cincinnati David Bell is. I didn't know that, but you just told me. Yeah. So now I got it. Craig Council. Pittsburgh's manager is. It's kind of like you should know it, but it's also kind of like, why would you? I don't know. Derek Shelton. I don't know anything about Derek Shelton. I just realized I don't know who the manager is of the Cardinals either, if I'm being honest with you. Cardinals is uh, Oliver Marmol. I have no idea yeah, who I that don't is. Know who Oliver I don't know at all. That nationally gets a little tougher. Arizona's Lavulo. Yes. Colorado's Bud Black. And a leading Diamondbacks. That's, right. That's crazy. Terry Lavulo. Uh, L.A.'s Dave Roberts, San mm-hmm. Diego is um, Melvin, and mm-hmm. San Francisco is Gabe Kapler, yep. right? Well done. Well done. So and basically I, like 26 I didn't go 30 for 30. 26-ish. That was rough. Yeah. That was rough. I couldn't be on ESPN. I, I can't <laughs> go 30 for 30. That's real rough for me. I mean, come on. Oliver Marmol and Yeah, I mean, who are these people? I don't know if anyone. Tubular is brought, <laughs> to, you by, St. Louis. Yeah, tubular is brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash contests. Again, head over there right now. You can get four tickets to each of the minor league baseball teams, plus an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms in order to help you get around. You must be 18 or older in order to enter. The sweepstakes ends June 14th. PressBoxOnline.com slash contests in order to sign up. Here's what's coming up uh, that matters tubular-wise. Orioles-Giants this weekend tonight, 10-15. i got to be up at 5 o'clock both the next two mornings. So, oh, you're doing a, a run tomorrow? I've, well, I'm not running. I'm oh, the okay. voice. Also, by the way, great week to have my allergies kick in. <laughs> I'm the, it's it's forever. I I'm mean, the voice of the Baltimore 10-miler tomorrow morning. And then, so you're doing like play-by-play for the race? Or? No, I'm, I'm you're doing I'm, I'm, like When people cross the finish line, I'm like, Congratulations. All right, way to go, Dave Davison from Shrewsbury. Well Shrewsbury. done. Great run here in the Baltimore 10-miler. <laughs> Thankfully, because Booker made me run a few of these things, I I remember because I'm Booker now. Like this was his mm-hmm. job, and so I'm just basically doing I'm doing a Booker impression when I show up to do these events. 
Just you're at the Baltimore 10 miler. It's a great day. And then I got to thank whoever the sponsors are. And I don't know why I get this gig, but whatever. It's I, I, they're good people, and I appreciate them being a part of everything we do. So I, I'm happy to be out there and do it. Yeah, I'm trying. But to- I got to be up at five in the morning in order to do it. And then Sunday's my day at the uh, homeless shelter. So. I'm gonna be up at five. I don't know how this weekend's gonna go because I like I also I also have to host both Saturday and Sunday on 105.7. So like I'm nightmare, nightmare. I gotta watch the games. I think tonight I told my wife I'm going. My my mother-in-law's out of town. I think I'm going to sleep at my mother-in-law's house. Try to nap around seven o'clock. Wake up, watch the baseball game, and then take another. It will never work. Should work. No, it won't. In theory, it works when you're 18. When you're my age, what if you go sleep no right after the show? I thought about that too. <laughs> I did, um, and I don't know. I might not stay here very long today. Like it might be that I'm out of here by like one o'clock. Try to get to the gym, and I try mm. to start that nap at like five o'clock. Yeah, because if I do that, then there's a chance I'll be asleep by seven o'clock. Like there's a chance that it'll happen. But man, uh, it's gonna stink. It's gonna stink trying to watch baseball. Just watch those uh, condensed games, you know. I guess. Be, uh, uh, 10, f- 10 15 tonight on Madison 2, Dean Kramer and Logan Webb. If you happen to be in the New York or LA markets, you can watch it on MLB Network as well. Uh, tomorrow night, 10 o'clock on Masson, Kyle Bradish and Anthony DeSclafani. And on Sunday, 4 o'clock on Masson 2, Tyler Wells. And they have not. They have not announced it, at least before the show started. It was the last time I checked. That's all about it. Yeah. Uh, Maryland baseball, one o'clock today against Northeastern in the NCAA tournament. That's on ESPN Plus, and then we'll, you know, should they win or lose, we'll figure out how the west rest of the weekend goes. Uh, but I believe all of those games Saturday, it would all be on ESPN Plus until maybe on Monday. It would be on act, it would be on television if they're still playing like they were last year, onto a Monday of the regional. Uh, French Open coverage continues right now. Um, it's actually been a pretty good one between Djokovic and uh, Davidovich Fakina, but Djokovic is comfortably ahead. I think he did finish off the second set tiebreaker, right? He's not. Uh, probably. I wish ah, I was. You were not paying see, attention. Okay. No, I wasn't. Well, this is the problem last year. Remember last year I was paying too much attention? Uh, to yes, that? he won both the first and second set tiebreaks. So he's up two sets, but they both had to go to tiebreaks. Mm-hmm. It's been a pretty good match as I've been looking up at it. Uh, Francis TFO will be in action tomorrow. Um, tomorrow it starts on Tennis Channel and then NBC at noon, Peacock at Let's three. Um, anything else this weekend? Tomorrow, Stanley Cup final, game one, Panthers Golden Knights at eight o'clock on both TNT and TBS. On Sunday, oh, PLL season gets underway this Ooh. weekend. A couple of games on ABC. Uh, NBA Finals, Game 2, Sunday night, 8 o'clock on ABC for the Heat and Nuggets. And I think everything else, you can go to glennclarkradio.com and find it there. Um, non-sports-wise, I don't even know what they're doing on NBC, on, on HBO on Sunday night. What's, it is, so it is a Oh, it's that show series. with the weekend. Yes, yeah. The Idol. The yeah. Idol. It is directed by Sam Levinson. Uh, it's What's-His-Face's daughter, too, right? Yes, it is Johnny Depp's Johnny daughter. Depp's daughter. Uh, her name is, I wrote it down, I already forget. It was like Rose something. Lily Rose. Yeah. Lily Rose Was Sam Depp. Levinson born in Baltimore, or? Mm, I don't think so. He's, so he, nobody likes Sam Levinson, apparently, at least in Hollywood, according to my, this is my friend, obviously, who, I, who lives in Hollywood that I was talking to. Okay, but I don't really know if that's. Well, he's a big Nepo baby, apparently. Well, I understand. And, and so he did Euphoria, and apparently he's kind of I, Euphoria kind of is pretty ass. popular. Well, he's kind of an ass on set, apparently. And, well, the issue with Euphoria is because, like, he... It's like, when when you kind of think about it, it's like a weird show. That, like, it's because he, you know, wrote a, wrote a show about a bunch of high schoolers having sex and doing drugs and then overdosing. I mean, and now shame, this show... Shameless is about a bunch of high schoolers having sex with adults and... 
nobody really well, seemed to have go. that big. I like. I, Maybe this is just my friend. Maybe he's. I the, might just be your friend. But that. But that's. The, but apparently, this is what the idol is. It is just the weekend having a ton of sex with Lily Rose Depp, and it, is she of age? Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. Well, then I'm, at least I mean, at least the actor. Why am I supposed is, to be bothered by that? Um, I, I don't know. Well, because it's just because why? Like, why does Sam Levison keep doing these shows where it borders on softcore porn? I I don't know. I think they're popular. Euphoria is pretty effing popular, bro. Yeah, all right. I mean, what do you want to say here? I don't know. I'm just like, why? Like, are shows so not allowed to it. have so you're sex? Check, you're checking it out. No, I didn't watch Euphoria. This is not. Gonna so you're be checking for out me. the idol. Although you I don't, I need to it. figure out because so the, the, Sam Levinson is Barry Levinson's son, of course. Uh, Barry Levinson's a Baltimore icon. I just don't know if Sam Levinson was born in Baltimore or not. So I don't know whether he's one of us. Like Barry, obviously, is very much one of us. And if Sam, Le- but, but I'm assuming that Barry Levinson moved to, to Hollywood at, at, at a certain point or to California. So I'm going to guess that Sam Levinson wasn't born in Baltimore. But if he was, then we have an obligation to support him. All it says is that he was just born in the U.S. Doesn't help me at all. No, it doesn't. Where was Sam Levinson? At least that's according to his Wikipedia. Well, um, you want to move on or you want to keep figuring out Sam Levinson? There's actually not a whole lot outside of the idol. Much, no. The Eric Andre show uh, returns to Adult Swim on midnight on Sunday. Uh, so check, check out Cartoon Network for the return of season six of Eric Andre show. I love Eric Andre. I love Eric never, Andre. By the way, how bad was it when they had to do, uh, uh, Mike Breen had to do that promo last night for whatever that dumb show is, and he was like, Eric Andre. <laughs> it's really bad. Really bad. Uh, Fear of the Walking Dead, and uh, let's see, tonight is going to be Searching for Soul Food, new series on Hulu, just uh, Alyssa Reynolds, she's searching for soul food around the world, just a new cooking show, and that is that is pretty much it. Uh, TLC Forever, documentary about, uh, about the music okay. group. TLC, TLC Saturday Night on Lifetime. Uh, then it's not good. <laughs> but it's TLC. There's gonna no, play but TLC they do songs. these. They do these types of things. I don't. It probably is not authorized if it's on Lifetime. Oh, so okay. There might not be TLC songs in it. In, in at least in the trailer, they had TLC. Songs. All right. Then may, maybe it is <laughs> authorized. Then I don't know. But they do a few of those where it ain't. It is very much not authorized. All right. Very good. Everything else find at glennclarkradio.com. When does winning time start? Is that that's the uh, the Lakers one? Yeah, because I uh, I thought that, I thought that Winning Time and Righteous Gemstones were both coming back to HBO soon. So I don't. Is this a series? Is this a limited series? Is this like a the Idol? Yeah. Um, I guess they're just gonna see where it goes. It's just right now. It just I, says I thought series. Winning Time was coming back like soon, soon. Maybe after the NBA Finals, and mm. I thought Red Gemstones was supposed to be back in the summer at some point. For our, just says, our Sunday night just says HBO some point this night. summer. It looks like they still don't have a, at least the release date yet for, for when they want for time? yeah for winning time. Okay, maybe so maybe they're waiting for something or right. I'm not sure. Right. It's a good show. I like that show. Yeah. All right, very good. Uh, thanks to uh, thanks today to Stan the Fan. Thanks also to the great John Miller, the great Dave Johnson. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the. Oh my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Uh, I will be on tomorrow noon to 3 on 105.7 The Fan. My buddy uh, Eric Arditi, Barstool RDT, is going to be hanging out with me, uh, sitting in on that show. Nice. And so then, of course, will I. Oh, I'll, really? Because I'll be learning how to run that board. Well, look at yeah. you. Look at you. Maybe you can help me with some booking. Maybe <laughs> okay. you can help me out in that <laughs> department because that got thrown on me very last minute, and I was not prepared. I have not. I don't think we have anything. I think our current uh, number of guests, I mean, other than the fact that RDD is going to be in I'll studio, sit with you. Right. No, I was looking for guests. <laughs> well, no offense. I might have something for you to do on the show, though. I might okay. have something for you. We'll see. 
Who are, do you know who you're it's, producing it's with? It's Kyle. Kyle, I like Kyle. Yes. Kyle's a good, not Kyle Ottenheimer, our no. former producer, uh, Kyle from The Fan, who I like. I might have the two of you involved in a segment. I okay. have an idea for something. I'll talk to you about that. Um, and then Rita and I will, of course, be on 1 to 4 on Sunday on 105.7 The Fan as well. Uh, then we'll be back on Monday, stuff and things. Uh, don't forget the guys are on tomorrow morning. Oh, no, no bat around tomorrow no morning. Bat They're rounds. off this week. They are off this week back the following Saturday. Paul's just that mad about the Orioles losing 4-6. I, I think so. it's the Jorge Mateo thing he's that worked up about. He and really, not he wants he really Mateo wants Jorge Mateo in center field for some bizarre reason. Love Paul. Love him. <laughs> but don't know what that's all about. All right. Uh, thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Casa Sin, All-American Lacrosse, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go Birds. Go Maryland Baseball. Duke sucks.